When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hey everybody, tonight we're debating puberty blockers on trial and we are starting right now with Vadim's opening statement. Thanks so much for being with us, Vadim. The floor is all yours. Hey everybody, how's it going? Um, My name is Vadim, also known as Hey It's Vadim, that's my channel. And in case you forget, it happens to be on my shirt written in Battlestar Galactica font. So um, just always refer to that if there's a problem. So yeah, I just want to say it's truly a pleasure and a sheer sensation to be here today. I want to thank James for hosting this. Our viewers, uh, you're looking fantastic. What you're doing with your hair is just, um, it's it, it's really working for you. And yes, I, I am, in fact, flirting with, with every single one of you right now. Um, I'd like to thank my cohort, Synth, and of course our opponents, CJ, and especially Mr. Rich Evans. I'm a huge Red Letter Media fan, by the way, and I'm just really excited that you're here. So anyhow, I do have to say it is slightly frustrating, though, that this topic needs to be debated at this point, given the wealth of data and the overwhelming number of major medical bodies that are relevant experts within this field whom all agree that trans therapies for children, including puberty blockers, are safe, lower things like depression, potentially uh, potentiality for self-harm, suicidal ideation, and of course, suicide itself, and have been shown in numerous reliable studies to improve mental health and general well-being, uh, you know, but um, we're, we're here regardless. Anyhow, uh, we'll get into more benefits than just that in a while, but I just want to, I'd I'd like to start by citing a 2020 study from the journal Pediatrics, which is, uh, you can Google it, literally the most, uh, the fourth most cited pediatrics journal, having one of the most significant impact factors of any journal of its kind, basically among the most trusted and respected of Uh, I think it's something like 120 pediatric journals. So the study is titled Pubertal Suppression for Transgender Youth and Risk of Suicidal Ideation. Again, this is from 2020, which concluded, quote, those who receive treatment with pubertal suppression when uh, compared with those who wanted pubertal suppression but did not receive it had lower odds of lifetime suicidal ideation. And quote, there is a significant inverse association between, between treatment with pubertal suppression during adolescence and lifetime suicidal ideation among transgender adults who ever wanted this treatment. These results align with past literature, 
also important, suggesting that pubertal suppression for transgender adolescents who want this treatment is associated with favorable mental health outcomes. And now this brings me to claims that uh, Rob Knorr, who I'm, I'm just receiving word is not in fact Richard Evans and uh, apologies. Um, anyhow, I, I did watch a previous debate you had on this very topic. And I wanna bring up just a, a couple of things that you happen to say in that um, debate. For one, you said the greatest scientific bodies in the world have said that we should not implement these therapies. Uh, you made similar statements several times. Well, I have a dear endless list of, again, the most significant and relevant scientific, med scientific medical experts, all of whom issued statements in strident support of puberty blockers as a beneficial and potentially life-saving therapy for those who need it, which I'd be happy to forward you, by the way. Uh, I won't go through all of them right now, but some of them include the American Medical Association, representing over 240,000 members, the American Academy of Family Physicians, 137,000, the American Osteopathic Association, 145,000, American Psychological Association, 122,000, and the largest within the U.S., the Endocrine Society, 18,000, which may not seem large in comparison to the others, but it's actually the world's oldest, largest, and most active organization devoted to research on hormones and clinical practice of uh, endocrinology. So that's very important. Again, world's largest. And of course, uh, lastly, the World Medical Association, a conglomeration of 147 professional medical associates, um, or rather associations, representing both the heads of each of the 147 associations, which span the globe, by the way, and also represent collectively well over 10 million doctors worldwide. Again, I could go on, but we'd be here for a very long time. You simply are, I'm sorry, but flat out incorrect in your assertion that there is not a robust support among medical bodies like these. And although there are sources whom dispute massive groups such as this, in general, they tend to be a micro minority in comparison to those who support this therapy. And when they draw on studies, they think make their case, they often tend to uh, be using extremely outdated and uh, data that is methodologically flawed uh, in order to support their case. So we'll get into those topics more, but also in your debate, Rob, you massively overplayed the side effects of puberty blockers through the overwhelming majority of your debate, which yes, do exist, but they are to be expected with any medication. Although you did, interestingly enough, mention briefly on your own accord at one point uh, that these are, well, I, I'm just gonna quote, um, and the timestamp for this is 2430, by the way, quote, and there were negative consequences, albeit slight, such as problems with bone density, pituitary problems, and things like that. That's an interesting brief admittance there. And I, it was very much in stark contrast to the rest of your debate where you continually asserted these complications were very serious. But I'm, I'm glad that you did briefly concede that point. These are very minor side effects. And I'd also like to add that these side effects absolutely 
pale in comparison to their benefits, especially when keeping in mind the lack of severity of the side effects themselves. And that's not so much my opinion as it is the prevailing answer medical experts in this field will give in reference to the question of side effects of puberty blockers. Also, Rob, within that debate, you cited as proof that supposedly superior authorities have significant problems with puberty blockers. Uh, you, you, you said that these were the superior authorities. Uh, you said this in a number of ways, a number of times. To do this, um, you only cited two things. One, the recent ruling in England to restrict puberty blockers to children under 16. Now, this was based on the Kiara Bell ruling, which I do hope we get a chance to discuss because it was both a highly dubious ruling and uh, we can make that case quite easily, I think. And uh, yeah, for a whole number of reasons. And in addition to that, you cited one, just one, I repeat, one more time, only one clinic in Sweden that decided to discontinue the use of uh, puberty blockers. Actually, they, they, I believe they restricted it to the age of 16, um, which, by the way, they cited as one of their primary reasons for doing so the very same super duper dubious Kiara Bell case ruling. Have to admit that this is just one of the most blatant examples of cherry picking and transforming sources into something that they're just not that I've ever seen. So um, you know, congrats for that. It's it's a it's a dubious accomplishment, but I do admire the brazen lack of forethought and or honesty there. Uh, you, you really went for it. So thumbs up. Uh, you also said multiple times things such as the majority of children who get on puberty blockers stay on puberty blockers for the rest of their life. And statements such as this tell me that you may have close to no grasp of this topic whatsoever, because that's just light years from being true. I mean, it's just a cosmic hunk of, uh -uh. Um, and by that, I, I mean bullshit. That's, that's, that's what I mean by error. Um, they're taken for a relatively short period of time. The effects are, of course, reversible should the individual decide to discontinue them, and puberty resumes as it would have otherwise. Children, usually teens, are given an important doorway of time to decide if they want to go on further with their therapies in their late teens or adulthood. They're not stuck with them forever. Uh, also, you discuss the lack of long-term longitudinal studies. And yes, of course, we can always use more of those. Those are always great, regardless of the medication or how long they've been around. But you failed to mention that they have, in fact, been prescribed since the 1970s, starting in the Netherlands. Now, it's true, it, not nearly as wide a scale as they are now, but they've been around since then for this use. Um, but more importantly, you didn't mention the decades of continued use for girls with precocious puberty. I believe we're going on over 30 years for that now. Still, It's still used to this day after, again, over 30 years. And it's also been used for decades for things like endometriosis and prostate cancer in adults. And, um, you know, if the side effects were as pronounced as you made it sound through most of that debate, well, that just wouldn't be the case. They, they, they wouldn't be prescribed for all these reasons. Um, in closing, I would like to remind our audience of the short list 
from a much longer list of authorities I cited earlier that enthusiastically recommend these therapies. And I emphasize this because this is how evidence-based data, uh, I mean, evidence-based slash data-based medicine is done. We look at not just the wealth of data, but we look at to the largest and most respected bodies of professionals to interpret that data and make suggestions accordingly. That's just how good medicine works. And so when one disputes this overwhelming um, number of authorities, they're kind of straying into denialism. The data does indeed tell us, to put it bluntly, if we administer things like puberty blockers to recipients when they are determined to be necessary for a patient, which, by the way, is just uh, it just about always includes a conglomeration of their doctors, pediatricians, endocrinologists, psychiatrists, parents, and the child. And I say this because often people say that the child is making the decision alone as just a lot of lunatics and know-nothings will contend that. No, that's, that's not the case. And that's typically after numerous appointments over the course of years. So all what I'm saying is, is that it, it does have, among many other benefits, um, the uh, potential and, and typically does lower the chance of self-harm and suicide. To Rob and CJ and to all who are on the fence on this topic, look, I know at the end of the day, you care about kids. We all do. That's why we're here having this conversation. So I hope that we can reach even just a handful of you and convince you of the simple truth, which is to be blunt, these therapies save lives. They, uh, the less access that we have to puberty blockers, to those who need them, that's just going to get us more suicides, more dead kids. It's really as simple as that. And uh, with that, I concede my time. All right. Um, so I, I know that uh, me and uh, Vadim have that sort of sort of a uh, eight-minute uh, opening statement there that we shared. I want to throw out uh, just a few a few things here and there that I think are important to note. Um, Rob and CJ, I've seen a couple of debates with you guys in the past. Uh, I know, Rob, you've actively uh, fought against, uh, debated against uh, fascists, uh, even on the side of leftists at times. I know you're a good person. I know at the end of the day that what the reason that you think the things you do is because you think those are going to save kids' lives. Um, I don't think you're bad people. I think you've just made a mistake, and hopefully going over this data can convince you, too, to change your minds. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that, um, that we both have a shared goal here, and hopefully we can find common ground. Uh, over to you two. Yeah, I, you. I echo that's, that statement, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much, gentlemen, for those opening statements. And folks, if it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, want to let you know we are a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics. And we hope you feel welcome <laughs> no matter what walk of life you are from. We are glad you are here. And so with that, we're going to kick it over to Rob and CJ for their openings as well. Thanks, gentlemen. The floor is yours. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for being here. CJ, thanks for being my partner. Vadim, Synth, thanks for debating us. And James, thanks for hosting us. I really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for watching as well. It's nice to see that I have fans out there that are watching my videos. So that's great. Maybe maybe now you could get the full-fledged experience where you get to debate me yourself, so it should be good. So let's start with the framework for how we should decide this debate. 
Children are not adults. They do not have the ability to make decisions that adults do. They don't have the ability to consent to things. And so our framework should be that we do not test on children. We only prescribe medication to children if it is necessary and we know it is safe. We don't, if there's any doubt, don't, we don't prescribe it if there's doubt. The literature and the science on this and long studies of long-term effects and things like that just do not exist. And so we should not be testing on children, not knowing what these long-term side effects will be. Now, let me take a brief moment to step aside. I appreciate that um, both of my opponents said that they don't think that CG or me are bad people. Uh, trans issues are difficult to talk about. I know it's an important issue to many people, uh, people that identify as trans. Uh, there's certainly a lot of anecdotal and data evidence that shows that it could be very difficult. Uh, there could be people treating you like garbage and things like that. I don't embrace anything like that. I think that just because I have disagreements or we have disagreements on some of the issues surrounding the community, anyone who purposely targets members of this community to be bigoted or to, you know, try to talk at their offense or anything like that is just in the wrong. So I'm not saying any of this because I specifically want to go against the trans community. I am worried about children. That is what I'm worried about. Given the framework that I outlined, we could see that there are significant medical bodies that have done the best studies on this that show they do not have confidence that the research that's been done is significant enough to suggest that it is necessary to give these puberty blockers to trans children or to suggest that there are not harmful side effects of this. Now, we, I'll talk to some of what Vadim said. I guess that's as good of a way to open as any. So the first thing is, notice that Vadim only cites one study there. Uh, and that study is called the pubertal, pubertal Suppression for Transgender Youth and Risk of Suicidal Ideation, right? Uh, which was in the Journal of Pediatrics. Everything else he says is, hey, a bunch of experts say it's cool. But he's not citing studies or anything like that. This is the only study he suggested. Now, if you read into this study, which I've done, I've read this study, it is not a study at all. It is a survey. They surveyed over 20,000 trans people and just asked them questions. Of those 20-something thousand trans people, about 80 said, yeah, I took puberty blockers when I was a child, and it made me feel good. That's it. That's the evidence that he cited. It's not longitudinal studies. It's not studies that actually had medical professionals looking at people, taking note of when they had puberty blockers, testing them, having control groups and things like that. No, it's just a survey. They can't even verify through this survey that the people that responded that they had puberty blockers or suppressors actually did. It's literally just taking people that they surveyed online, or I don't know if it was online, but people that they surveyed at their word. That's it. That's the evidence of the end. The rest of the evidence is just saying, and this is something that I see that I think we're making a problem in this country, is just saying, well, trust the experts. I trust science. I don't just implicitly trust scientists. If scientists have a reason for something, then show the studies. Just because they have both a financial and a political incentive to push a certain thing doesn't mean that we should take their word at face value without studies that back up their claims. We can see in this country we have an opioid epidemic that was largely spurred on by doctors that had a financial incentive to prescribe it. We see the overprescription of psychological or psychotropic medication for children, for things like ADD and other psychiatric medications. So the idea that a bunch of prestigious organizations say, oh, trust us, it's cool, without being able to provide the science behind it, shows that it's dubious and we shouldn't just trust them because of supposedly their appeal to authority. What I did cite was from the National Health Institute or the National Health Service of the UK. So we're talking about the Kira Bell case. That's true. We could talk about the Kira Bell case. Kira Bell was someone who transitioned, who felt that uh, it was not properly given the warnings of the things that could happen with the transition and sued. 
As a result, the NHS commissioned a study that was carried out. Now, we in the United States, particularly the left, like to talk about how uh, the National Health Service of Britain, that's what we should model our health service of. That's a health service that cares about their people. So they did an investigation. And in that investigation, they looked at the nine best studies that they were able to find. Those studies, uh, they came to the following conclusion, which I'll read a little him saying that this was just based on a court case is not true. The court case was based on significant research done for over a year by the NHS using nine studies. Here's their conclusion. The results of the studies that reported impact on critical outcomes of gender dysphoria and mental health, depression, anger, and anxiety, and the important outcomes of body image and psychological impact in children and adolescents with gender dysphoria are, quote, very low certainty using modified grade. They suggest little change with hormone analogs back from baseline to follow-up. Studies that found a difference in the outcome could represent changes. However, uh, uh, let me see, I'll just skip to the. However, as the studies all lack reasonable controls, not receiving hormone blocker analogs, the natural history of the outcomes measured in the studies is not known and any positive changes could be a regression to the mean. No cost-effective evidence was found to determine whether or not hormone blocker, they call them GNRH, when I show you the study, analogs are cost-effective for children. Now, what they mean by cost-effective is this. Excuse me. Um, there's a cost-benefit to everything we do. So, for example, if you have cancer, you take chemo. There's risks to chemo. Chemo will do negative things to your body. But you say that the benefit outweighs the cost. So when they're talking about this cost effectiveness, that's what they're talking about. They're saying the NHS of Britain, after looking at all of these studies, not surveys like Vadim gave you, but actually looking at the studies, said, we have no certainty in these studies. They don't have any control groups. They're all very limited. We don't have long-term studies. And so they looked at these studies and concluded that we as medical professionals could not in good faith say that children should be taking these medications, that they should be prescribed. In fact, the court ruled that it would be tantamount to testing on children because it would be like if a new drug came out and instead of doing the necessary things to make sure that there were studies showing that this was safe, you instead just gave that drug to children who aren't able to consent whatsoever. So this is the huge problem. Similar studies, Vadim says, oh, you mentioned one hospital in Sweden, but how did Sweden come to that conclusion? According to the Swedish Agency for Health Technological Assessment, in, in, in the review called Gender Dysphoria in Children and Adolescents, an Inventory of Literature, here are the conclusions they found. Quote, we have not found any scientific studies which explains the increase in incidence in children and adolescents who seek health care because of gender dysphoria. We have not found any studies on changes in prevalence of gender dysphoria over calendar time. There are few studies on gender-affirming study in general in children and adolescents, and only a single study on gender-affirming genital surgery. Studies on long-term effects of gender-affirming treatment in children and adolescents are few, especially for the groups that have appeared. The scientific activity remains high. Almost all identified studies are observational, some with controls and some with evaluation before and after gender treatment. No relevant randomized control trials in children and adolescents were found. We are not found any composed national information from Sweden on and a bunch of things. So in other words, what they're saying here is there are no significant studies. There are none. There are observations. There are uh, uh, there are surveys like you see, but I'll challenge, I'm, and I'm here to learn. I welcome Synth and Vadim showing me the longitudinal studies that show that this is effective. A couple other things that we'll get to. Um, he said that I, when I talked about the problems, there are significant problems that you could have, particularly with the most commonly prescribed um, medication that's used, which is called Luprin. Uh, 
We have medical professionals that said, and never in a million years would they recommend this to someone under the age of 21. However, I'm honest when I debate, and that same institute from the National Health Survey said that they also found the studies on the dangers on bone density and things like that from puberty blockers also were low certainty. So Vadim is calling me out as if I'm making some sort of mistake. No, I'm just being honest. The best research that's gone into this says that both the research as to the positive nature of puberty blockers and to the negative nature of puberty blockers are low certainty. Therefore, given the framework that we should not be testing on children in mass, we should refrain from giving these medications until these sorts of studies exist. He says the effects are reversible, but that's not true. We'll talk about the physiological effects, but more importantly are the psychological effects. And this gets to where Vadim says, I don't understand what I'm talking about because I say most children that get on puberty blockers stay on them. What I mean is they stay with the treatment. They never regress back to their biological sex or their sex assigned at birth. And so this is something that's cited all the time to the efficacy of puberty blockers. They say, ah, puberty blockers are good because most people that get on them continue with the transition. Well, we can see that 73 to 95% of children that have signs of being transgender grow out of it without any medical intervention. And so there is undoubtedly a psychological impact that many children have been prescribed this medication that otherwise would have transitioned back to their sex assigned at birth, but did not do so because of the long-term effect of these puberty blockers, which had a psychological impact on him, in addition to physiological impacts that we can see as well. Um, he says the puberty blockers have been around for decades. Yes, but that's different. Prescribing, for example, we have chemotherapy, as I already said. We don't prescribe chemo for things other than cancer. Yes, there are situations where puberty blockers, for example, uh, there's uh, situations with gynecological care in adults, uh, people that were experiencing puberty too fast and things like that, where it may make sense. And there's literature and testing that went into that. That doesn't mean we should prescribe these medications with their real and verified side effects for new things. Um, the, uh, the last thing I'll say is, um, yeah, so... I think that the important thing to remember here is this. Let's get into the studies. Everyone seems to be want to be interested in this. So let's get into the studies and see what happens. We even have, there was something originally called the Dutch Protocol that was, this was kind of the first in the 2000s uh, kind of path that we used to be able to determine how we should treat trans people in the medical fields. One of the founders of that protocol is puzzled that we see so many trans people increasing, particularly in adolescents. And he suggests, as we could get to from his comments, that maybe we ought to hold back on giving these puberty blockers because it seems like this is a cause celeb and all of a sudden a bunch of people are, it's popular for parents to say, hey, my kid's trans and to convince kids to be trans through gender affirming therapy and things like that. One, and they could actually be having a, a lot of problems with that sort of stuff. I can move on. You got it. I was going to say we're at about right where we were with for Synth and Vadim's opening. And so just to keep it relatively balanced, in case CJ had anything, opening points that he wanted to quick make sure. yep, give you no a chance, CJ. otherwise uh cj if you want to do the same that synth did in terms of forfeiting time to go into the open conversation that works too um yeah i'll just make a, a real a couple of quick points just because i i think that most of my points will be able to make the open conversation um namely that um i think that this kind of a question is uh, you know, more important than just this particular question. Uh, I think, in other words, this is one of those things that ends up having a greater impact than just simply the question of puberty blockers for trans kids. Uh, and I think that that impact is in, in immensely negative for society as a whole. 
Um, I hope to get into some of the philosophical justifications that I have for that. Uh, but nonetheless, that's that's my main thing is that I think that there is a lot of issues that while they may not seem related at first, certainly do seem related upon a little bit of examination um, on top of, of course, related issues. But we'll get to that back and forth later. You, um, but just, you know, some more philosophical points, I think, that need to be addressed for sure. You got it. So we will move into the open conversation, folks. Want to let you know if it's your first time here or maybe it's your 500th time here. Who knows if you haven't yet? Folks, hit that subscribe button as we have many more juicy debates coming up that you don't want to miss. For example, this Friday, Tom Jump and Dr. Ben Burgess will be debating capitalism versus socialism. You don't want to miss it, so do hit that subscribe button and that notification bell as well. With that, we will jump into open conversation. Thank you all four of you gentlemen. The floor is all yours. Uh, yeah, all right. Um, so you mentioned a couple of things in your opening, Rob, that I kind of want to touch on. Um, mm -hmm. Before we get to that, I know in your um, in your debate with, I think her name was Amy, uh, mm -hmm. you gave this argument in which you said, how could you know that you want to go through puberty if you've never experienced it? Do you still hold through, hold to that argument or do you think that was maybe poorly worded? The argument, it's, it's slightly poorly worded, if you don't mind me clarifying. The argument that go I'm ahead. making is if we use the W path, which is kind of the gold standard in transgender healthcare, it, even it admits that 70 to 95 percent of children that go through transgender can, issues can, grow out with. Yeah, no, well, just just could you bring it up and, and maybe read from it um, what, what, what you're talking about? Sure, sure. I'll link it and I'll I'll read. Uh, let me find it. Uh, uh, here's the link. Would you like me to link that just in? Uh, our Zoom chat is that yeah, good? You, you could you could go ahead and do that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, and you're gonna go down to um, there. It's in the chat, and okay. you could go down to page. It's page 17 on the scroll, but on the actual um, document, it's page 11. Okay. So uh, I'll read here. Gender dysphoria during childhood does not inevitably continue into adulthood. Rather, in follow-up studies of prepubertal children, mainly boys, who were referred to to clinics for assessment of gender dysphoria, the dysphoria persisted into adulthood for only 6 to 23% of children. So given that, to answer Sin's question... Hey, wait, 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 hold, hold on. Hold on. We, hold on. Yes, can we, we continue we, forward, actually, and read the, the, yeah. the other things here? Because yeah, these yeah, studies sure. were... Yeah, go sure. ahead. Uh, Boys, Boys in these studies these, were uh, most likely to identify as gay in adulthood than as transgender. Newer studies, also including girls, show a 12 to 27 persistent rate of gender dysphoria into adulthood. And then, in contrast, the persistence of gender dysphoria into adulthood appears to be much higher for adolescents. Right. No formal pr prospective studies exist. However, in a follow-up study of 70 adolescents who were diagnosed with gender dysphoria and given puberty-suppressing hormones, all continued with actual sex reassignment, all of them. Um, so, so if you that's believe exactly it, my it, argument. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like to say very quickly, I mean, it's just interesting that because we were both uh, uh, familiar with this with, with this sure. and um, we uh, I mean, I think we both find it interesting that your cutoff point was right there because it says in contrast and literally four pages, it goes on to why these therapies are a good idea. It's it's merely starting out by saying like, look, there's some there, there, there's some uh, studies to the contrary. And as a matter of fact, we can bring up some of these studies. Some of these studies are often cited by people who um, oppose trans care, and these are these are studies with awful methodology. In some cases, I mean, I think Synth can probably elaborate on why they're bad. But first of all, um, a lot of them. 
they uh, were studying people who weren't necessarily trans to begin with, who were merely gender nonconforming. In a lot of these cases, these were studies where when um, an individual no longer showed up to that particular gender clinic, they just said, okay, well, they've desisted. It's terrible methodology. And I, I mean, I, I could say more about it, but I want to hand it over to Synth because I, I imagine he is. Well, in fairness, I was asked a question. It. I was okay. asked a question, which I All didn't right. get to respond to. Okay. So I'm Go not cutting it. off there. I'm, I'm not cutting off there for a specific reason. In fact, I'm literally going to say the next point, the in contrast point. First off, the reason I use WPATH is you should try to steal man your opponent's argument. So I could show you a litany of links, for example, from people that are critical of puberty blockers that say these sorts of statistics. But I went to the actual group that I think that trans advocates would be most likely to believe. So it's funny to now hear, oh, well, WPATH, we can't trust their evidence because the surveys that are the studies they come from are dubious. These are dubious studies that WPATH is. Please, yeah, the, uh, so the I, issue, Rob, is it's a matter of like I, I do I do agree that using WPATH uh, is is a is a decent source, right? Um, but the issue is you are citing the uh, the things which they almost immediately refute, as though this is evidence in, not, in favor. Yeah, of I, 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 have I have to say very quickly, again, like I have to say very quickly, you two talking and me barely getting to respond. That's no, no, I, 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 I don't want to. I just, just want to inject about. one sentence, which is <laughs> if that's your idea of a steel man, then I truly hate to see your idea of a straw man. It's 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 just uh, very far from okay, anything cool. I know. Anyways, uh, after that great point. Like, so what we can see on, is what we can just see. A, I, we uh, CJ had a point. I do want to just be sure that CJ gets a chance to get into the debate to some extent. Let's let's get them both to 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 reply however they'd like. Okay, go go for it, Rob and CJ. Yeah, CJ if you want. Well, I just wanted to say quickly, it doesn't seem to me like the article there is refuting Rob's point. It sounds to me like it's exactly making Rob's point. Exactly when there when there's not a uh, puberty blocker used, at most you have uh, what, what would that be? Seventy seven percent of people uh, leaving or or 23% of people remaining um, and 6% of people at least remaining, right? Like that's huge. And then when you start adding puberty blockers, it all of a sudden shoots from 23 at the most to 100. That is really weird. Right, and I, that's exactly the point. That's any a, other. That, that's exactly, what is the, well, what is exactly. Green study. What is the green study in particular? Uh, why does that show that like there's the the introduction of puberty blockers is going to change the uh, the rate of desistance? Again, if I could finish my point. So, uh, yeah, CJ's making exactly my point, right? It's not that I was cutting off. The the question you asked me, you said, well, what do I mean that, you know, people wouldn't have an incentive to go back? Well, that's exactly what I mean, right? So what we see is, and make no mistake about it, we could quibble about the definition of children versus adolescence, but in the same WPATH literature, it talks about how we start this at Tanner 1, which is as young as eight years old for girls, uh, when we could stop these puberty blockers. So it's certainly young children that they're talking about giving these puberty blockers too well, Robert, right so well, the, the, I, I, am, am i ever going to get a chance to finish a point well, i don't the, think the, I've been talking, big, i mean i mean i mean i'm oh, not even getting to the main bit, point a little just, bit a little more time rob but just yeah. to be sure that they have plenty of time to respond because there are a number of different like moving pieces going on 
Sure. Right. Right. So the point is, as CJ was saying, that we could see that overwhelmingly there are a lot of children that grow out of gender dysphoria or the symptoms of gender dysphoria without any medical interventions. But as soon as we start prescribing puberty blockers, it's almost unanimous. And Vadim made fun of me in my opening statement for this saying, oh, he says that they never go back. Well, yes, because if you don't go, if you're being instructed through a doctor and through your family that you're actually trans and then you're being given puberty blockers, how would you ever know? Wait a minute, I'm going to grow out of this naturally as the vast majority of children do and so what we see is there are long-term effects that you have the long-term effect of giving many of these children who would have transitioned back without medical intervention it seems to suggest that as soon as you give them puberty blockers you're putting them on the path to gender reassignment surgery well, then how come uh, then then how come we do not see those who take it for precocious puberty becoming transgender we don't see that we don't see that with with anyone else who, who takes these drugs. And again, if you you know you would expect that if that was the outcome of taking this drug. That's not no. Again, you're proving my point. It's because it's not just taking the drug. It's that if you took, for example, if you were experiencing onset puberty early and you took this drug, no one's telling you, oh, you're the wrong gender. You don't have doctors that are forced to have gender affirming therapy that are saying actually the problem is you think you're a woman, but in reality you're a man. So if you're not told that and you don't go through puberty, you never have the impetus to say, maybe I am trans. But if Rob, you do have family and people saying that to you, and then you never go through puberty, then that's a reason that you would never go back to your sex assigned gender. And, Rob, and for the record, a, I'd like to point out that we do yeah, know for a fact that with other, like when we start switching the ingredients and start talking about other things, like for example, being raised in cults or long-term abusive relationships or something like that, what Rob's talking about is exactly the way it works, right? The long, in fact, that's the whole concept of Stockholm syndrome, right? Is that like when you have the ability to convince somebody over long periods of time, um, that obviously changes things. That changes their mental framework. That changes the way they're going to see the world, especially. If okay, this like is doctors. really loaded um, a way that, that you're both discussing this. You're talking about this as if uh, these 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 a uh, whole range of experts in the field are essentially brainwashing children. Um, like it's 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 just really there's there's certainly no evidence. The reliable evidence that you can uh, like that is that is pure conjecture. You're really just pulling that out of your butts. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned. Um, I, mean, I don't think that, I don't think that's true the at Kira all. Bell fact, case in particular, use correct? some examples, right? Like for example, oppositional defiance disorder being something that exists, right? That's a clear example of uh, people in the psychological field uh, using some whatever it is. I don't know why. Maybe it's a, a drug agenda thing. Maybe they actually are convinced that it's a real thing. Maybe it's some way to try and pacify rebellious children. But regardless. You have a perfect example here of people in the psychological field diagnosing something that just frankly does not exist. There's no such thing as oppos oppositional defiance. There disorder. absolutely is a such thing as oppositional. No, there defiance. is not. That's what? that's I, I, the I, idea I, that rebellious to know why. Vadim and Synth, plenty of time. Thanks so much, both Rob and CJ. I, I'd like to bring uh, Synth. When we were talking about this, did you not? I'm talking about the opening of this uh, W path thing. Did you? You pointed out that this was um, yes. actually yeah. Okay. Yeah, this, so this go, was a, go for it. This was a, a, the the two studies here that um the, that uh, Rob or not the two studies, uh, the two sections here. Um, the latter of which seems to very strongly support our side, and the former of which is the one that Rob usually points to. Um, is the former of which refers specifically to pre-puberty pre, uh, pre uh, I can't speak pre-pubertal children. Um, so in the case of pre-pubertal children, those are not who who you generally prescribe puberty blockers to because obviously the intent is to block puberty. You're not experiencing puberty doesn't make much sense to block it. So you, we usually wait 
uh, for children until they are experiencing the early signs of puberty, sometimes as low as eight-year-old girls can do this, right? But they are not pre-pubertal at that point. So uh, this is this this the ones you are citing don't actually prove your claim. Uh, that's not true. So, for example, if you look at who it cites right there, the CPATH or the WPATH, it talks about Drummond, Bradley, and Bedelli. Uh, if you mm-hmm. go to that, if you go to that study, it says this study provided information in the natural history of 25 girls with gender disorder, standardized assessment data in childhood, meaning age 8.88 years. So it's basically nine-year-olds is the mean age. Uh, again, if you look at the WPATH, it says that you could start giving at 10 or one, which is eight years old. So even in this study, secondly, let me just ask you flat out and similar with the boys, uh, that portion of it, I could read that if you want as well. Let me just ask you flat out, you and uh, Synth and Vadim, do you think that there are a significant, let's just say this, do you think more than half of children that experience gender dysphoria or signs of gender dysphoria grow out of it without puberty blockers? More than half, I guess it depends on uh, what what, uh, point at which you begin the study, right? So it depends on what age you do. Uh, the younger you get, the more likely you are to grow out of it, but puberty blockers are less likely, likely to be given to you. And so giving them at, uh, at, at 10 or one would be relatively uncommon. The general thing to do is do it, way to do it at 10 or two, once puberty's actually begun, not pre-puberty. Um, and those would be adolescents at that point, uh, which is the, oh, okay. all, so all of those seem to- um, Let's say adolescents. You don't, you okay. don't so let's use. see, what do you think the percentage of adolescents that experience gender dysphoria that grow out of it? The WPATH article admits there is no evidence on this. There's no studies. Um, I mean, it, it's just, no, it's it doesn't. Like, like, it, like, it says uh, there are no, no formal perspective studies. So there's right. still evidence. They do cite the evidence. They say What's in the a evidence? follow-up study of 70 adolescents, which is survey data. I know you don't like that. Honestly, um, but you can't just cherry pick the parts of the W. No, 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 no. no, 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 no yeah, that, this is the, the essence of. Uh, like, just to, just to I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. May I speak or do you want Rob to speak right now? Oh, I was going to say, just to be sure that Synth got to finish his point, I wasn't sure if you did, Synth. Yeah, I, I apologize, Synth. I, it's just, I, I I have to hammer once again that, the, like, the idea that WPATH is starting out with um, something that is canceling out the rest of what, I mean, don't you think that they would recognize that? They are not admitting here that the rest of what they go on for pages uh, where they affirm care, they're not like saying that that the first part cancels any of it out and your interpretation of it doesn't make it so. That's uh, You keep on saying that you are uh, steel manning all of this, but you are not. You are cherry picking and you are misinterpreting the spirit in which they, 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 they put that in there. As I said, you know, um, uh, there there are some like very like well-known uh, studies that are just absolutely the, the methodology in them are very poor, but they are recognizing them and they're saying like, hey, look, you know, th- these these studies do exist, but all this other information makes those studies uh, kind of pale in comparison to every everything else that we're saying afterward. That's that's really the thrust of of the uh, you know, of the study. That's that's really what it has to say. And you're not characterizing it in the way in which its, its authors meant it to be taken. Okay, so this is a fundamental problem that I see with many people. They don't understand. They think that if you cite, even from an article that is pro a position that you're anti, if you use that article to show why that position is erroneous, we have to agree with everything the article says. We're agreeing with the data that they've outlined at the beginning, and then I'm disagreeing with their conclusion, proving their own data, or using their own data. Now, Synth, back to your point. You say, oh, no, 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 they do do these surveys. No, they don't. Again, look at what it says. The section where we have the actual studies are 
are actual studies that show that children that have symptoms or are being diagnosed with gender dysphoria actually grow out of it at huge portions. You say, I say they don't really have those commensurate studies when it comes to adolescence. You say, yes, they do. But let's look at again what it says. It says, in contrast, the persistence of gender dysphoria into adulthood appears much higher for adolescents. No formal perspective study exists. However, in a follow-up study of 70 adolescents who were diagnosed with gender dysphoria and given puberty-suppressing hormones. Yes. So again, they're not saying there is no data. Not even WPATH provides data that says, okay, adolescents that weren't giving medical interventions. Rob, the question I'll, you were asking the, earlier, though, was about specifically that. Uh, okay, so, go ahead. So, so, so what I'm saying is, so the point I'm trying to ask you is, can you at least give me that there's a reasonable, a significant amount of children and adolescents that would grow out of puberty blood or would grow out of gender dysphoria if they're not given any medications? Can I at least a, get you to, to a reasonable that? amount with no evidence? I mean, we, well, maybe a what reasonable we, we amount have of evidence. What, 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 I'm what the is only it? one providing I, evidence. I mean, you I, haven't. You're just dismissing evidence that disagrees with you. Um, well, well, so what evidence another do you one. have? Um, I, give me, you you asked a question. I'd like, quick. Can, can I answer the your question? You're, can, please show me any sure. evidence that shows adolescents that aren't given puberty blockers, the rate of which can, they transition can, back. Can, can I answer your question? The rate, of, um, the rate of which puberty, adolescents who aren't given puberty blockers detransition, they wouldn't be detransitioning then. Again, what are we talking about? The, the data we're talking about in children is children you asked that me have what, what rate of kids quick, with on children, puberty blockers? Children that have gender well, you dysphoria. You asked me a question. That, real quick. The, so the first, you're making the distinction. You're saying, ah, it's a difference between children and adolescents. So I believe you're conceding that the evidence suggests that children that aren't being given any sort of interventions 70 to 90, you're not conceding that. You think the no. WPATH's wrong on that? No, I think that the, the WPATH articles you cited in particular don't demonstrate your point. I think that the specific studies they use are from Green, which have math, massive methodological issues that you've decided to ignore, uh, and from Zucker, who also true. has math. To the Green it's one not, in particular. It's not true. So I, 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 I'd, really like to an, I'd really like to answer your question, because I didn't get a chance sure. to you asked a question. Um, so so yeah, the answer is yes, there there probably is a reasonable amount of people who decide and that's that, that that's but this is the thing. That is what puberty blockers are for. It's to give children a little bit of extra time in order to uh, assess with professionals whether or not they want to further their trans therapies. So yeah, there there is probably a reasonable amount and we should expect to see that. I personally would like to move on from here to another aspect. Wait, 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 I'm almost done here. I want to say that I personally would like to move on. However, I just want to point out that you have, earlier you said, I agree with this and I don't agree with this. And so you were agreeing with the things in the study that you agree with that it brings up to be fair in order to show the other side and you're disagreeing with everything else that it says and you started with only quoting from that 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 one opening without providing anything else to me the the, the audience can decide for themselves to me that is the essence of cherry picking Okay, yeah, so, real quick, uh, real quick. Rob, can thank I get you in for at least thank you for uh, thank you, Elizabeth, uh, at least Vadim for being honest and answering that question. Sure. If you Rob, like, can for I jump example, in here this really is fast? Uh, sure. Why not? Okay. So you you've uh, you've gone over a couple of things here. You said that there's no issues with the green study. Um, I, I thought the dean. I'd like to respond to what Vadim said. There. You already. I'd love to be able to respond to what. Rob, you you complained so earlier. Uh, you complained so much earlier. You got so hysterical about being interrupted. I haven't interrupted you once. You could let me get some words in, right? 
All right. So um, we also have data from the uh, more recent data, not 1987 uh, studies with with massive methodological flaws. Um, we have very solid data from um, the, uh, uh, the you can use the Australian court data on uh, kids detransitioning and the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne did exactly this. So this is from about 2018 or 2019. Uh, I can source you that if you'd like. Uh, it says 96 percent of all patients who were assessed and received a diagnosis of gender dysphoria by the fifth uh, intervener. Uh, from 2003 to 2017, continued uh, to identify as transgender or gender diverse into late adolescence. No patient who had commenced stage two treatment had sought to transition back to their birth assigned sex. Um, this one-off example that you usually cite of Kira Bell, I don't think actually demonstrates that very well at all because Kira Bell in particular, um, did uh, she did numerous things in, ter in terms of transitioning to male when she was an, an adult, a grown adult, which you don't actually have any issues with. <laughs> Okay. So just for example, uh, so the um, mastectomy and the, uh, the question, honestly, uh, Vadim, I just wanted to ask you, if you admit that there's a significant amount of kids that grow out without any intervention, how do you explain the fact that according to WPATH, it's 100% once given puberty blockers that don't transition back? I don't believe it says that. Um, sure it does. I, Would you like me to reread it? Uh, it, I'll says, read it, it says it says it says one hundred percent. The study, the one study, in contrast, the persistence of gender dysphoria into adulthood appears to be much higher. No formal prospective study exists. However, in a follow-up study of seventy adolescents who were diagnosed with gender dysphoria and given puberty suppressing hormones, all continued with actual sex reassignment. Yeah, Rob, that's not this. That's not the same thing as the claim you just made. So this all in this study is not all people in general, right? No, but the but the study that you so again you're just, you you're just misciting the study. So Rob. real quick, so real yeah. quick, the accusation of cherry picking. Here's how but, it works, right? Let's say that you wanted to say that Trump did something bad or Republicans did something bad. You might cite Fox News or Breitbart as if saying, look, even the groups that usually stick up for this have evidence of why this is bad. That's exactly what I'm doing with WPATH. Just because I disagree with their conclusions, I'm saying this is what their data that's trying to paint this picture as best as um, possible for puberty blockers suggest. So real quick. Okay, so again, sure. you want to talk about cherry picking. What we see is from the WPATH that you all would say is the gold standard in treatment for transgender individuals with healthcare professionals. So far, the studies that talk about children that grow out, you say, we don't trust WPATH on that. We think that they're giving dubious. Then when we go no. to the next part of Rob, adolescence, the study, the study that since said, literally since said, oh, but if you go a step further, it shows that it, it disproves you because it shows 70 out of 70 stayed on, you know, the path to gender. Can we address the, now some you're of the saying, claims well, you made, Rob? You're just gish cool. on a lot of points. It's yeah, like, right? Again, I know you say Rob, right. I I do, it's, you, Let's kick it over. I'll, also, I'll also kick it over argue, I mean, I just like to say, you know, please don't blow my eardrums out completely to oblivion you can you can chill out a little bit my dude it's how i talk um i i understand but it's 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 a bit much maybe i have to lower my my volume but then i won't hear others as well um so um synth i i do have something to say in response mm -hmm. to what you said but uh synth did want to talk i just wanted to <laughs> earnestly ask you just to to Take it down a notch. Cool. Thanks for wasting our time. Go ahead, Synth. Rob, well, the, that, I, my, my ear is batter. My, my hearing batters, dude. Yeah, yeah Rob, the, the goal of this conversation for us is not to like like get you to um, erupt into hysterics. We just want to talk about the issues. Not so hysterics. You, with the Kira Bell, uh, with the Kira Bell um, specific thing, thing in particular, um, you do agree, right, that a lot of the transitions that Kara Bell in particular made were very, very late into, uh, we're not late into adulthood, uh, but they was were into adulthood, right? Like the double mastectomy. Sure. Sure. What, so I, then, I, I didn't bring up Kira Bell. You all did. You did. Sure. No, no, you did. 
Yeah. No, I didn't. No, I okay. didn't. Okay. You, well, you talked about Carabelle and you did bring up Carabelle and Naomi. Vadim, yeah. I didn't talk about, yeah. I didn't you, Vadim brought it up in reference to you bringing it up in your debate with him. What I brought up was the study from the National Health Service in the NICE, uh, the agency that looked into this, looking at nine longitudinal studies. Yeah. No, it wasn't sourced by Carabelle. And the Carabelle, Carabelle said, filed yeah. a lawsuit and that, ret- that would be like, again, who cares who filed the lawsuit? The scientists and the medical professionals in the UK and the National Health Service decided to look at the best studies they could find, and they came to the conclusion. And and again, I've yet to see a study. I I just told you. No, that study had nothing to do whatsoever. The Australian court study? What's that? The Australian court study, which shows like a 96% rate of non-desisting? What, what does that mean? That doesn't mean that this is safe. That people it means they persisted. Again, so this, you keep making my point for me. And CJ, I'd like you to weigh in. Do you see what they're doing? They're like, well, everyone that gets on puberty blocker, 96% of them stay on it. Therefore, it must be oh, good. Hold on a second. I, that's I, the I, entire point to show that it's not reversible. I, I have I have a very important thing to say. I, I'm fine with moving on, as I said, I'd like to, but you did make quite a ludicrous claim. Um, and I just want to ask you, what do you think is more likely here, Rob, that the um, study which WPATH put out, who has said again and again that they affirm transgender ha- uh, transgender care, that they are for puberty blockers, do you think it's more likely that you have misunderstood the data because you said that they are saying that 100% of children would desist if they were not given these drugs? And to me, that's just absolutely ridiculous. It, it, like it's, it's beyond ridiculous that any uh, anyone would prescribe such things if that was the case. So do you honestly think that, that, that the chances are greater that you have misinterpreted this data or that, that they would actually go ahead and say like, yeah, we're for this, but 100% of people who are, who, who, who take these, if they didn't take them, they'd be fine. I mean, I, I, are, are we, am I getting through to you? I, I, I hope that I'm, if I'm not getting through to the audience with that, then um, I don't think that maybe some of these people are reachable. It's, it's just, it's, it's a really. That's not my claim. So let me clear this up for you. That was not my claim. My you claim said, was, you did say 100%. Again, let me finish. No, hang on. Finish. That's my, not claim the... was, my claim was that they said, and the study they cited, 100% of people that got on puberty blockers did not transition to their sex assigned at birth. That's not saying that they would have had not. I'm saying that we could see that there is a large portion of people, according to WPATH, that are children that grow out of this. And yet the study they cite shows that everyone that took puberty blockers stays with this path to gender reassignment. The second study that we have is the study that you cited, Vadim, and that was the study entitled uh, pubertal suppression for transgender youth and risk of suicidal ideation. What do you think that study said? Every single person that they talked to that was on puberty blockers as a child stayed with it and stayed with the gender transition. So that's two examples at 100%. The third example that's been given is an Australian study, which says 94% of people that were put on puberty blockers stayed with uh, didn't go back to the sex at sign. So we can see that the number is, uh, uh, we have three studies until this one from Australia was cited, 100%, 100%, and 94%. Now, this is far greater than the amount of people that identify or they get diagnosed as gender dysphoric that grow out of it. There is a uh, large portion of people, question, as you admit, Vadim, as ahead. you admit, there's a large portion of people. And yet, why is it then that we see that once they're given puberty blockers, a huge portion of them, it, it shifts to, oh, now we're not going to transition back. 
Rob, I think I see the mistake you're making now. Can I can I ask you a clarifying question sure. about your position? Sure. Yeah. Um. So, ideally, we wouldn't want to prescribe puberty blockers right to people who don't need it, who people who right. wouldn't end up transitioning, right? So, ideally, what we would want to show puberty blockers are effective is a 100% rate of people who are on them. That would be the perfect thing, right? No, not necessarily. Right. But like for anybody, like. I mean that. I guess let me put it this I way. I think so. That would be ideal. That would be ideal, but not sufficient, right? It could be lower than yeah. that, right? Right. But, mm -hmm. but like, for example, let's say that we saw anytime we see that there's going to be a significant medical intervention through chemical alterations of the body, and we see that there's a group of people that normally don't need this medication, only a small amount of people need it, and most of the people that we think might need it actually never did it. Like, let's say painkillers. Let's say that. Everyone who stubs their toe, only 5% of people that stub their toe need to be put on fentanyl for pain. But the, when we put people on fentanyl, they say it was good and they stay on it. That's not proof that the fentanyl should have been prescribed. There's only two possibilities here. Either one, the doctors are remarkably accurate at finding that small percentage of children that wouldn't grow out of being transgender, and those are the only ones being prescribed puberty blockers, or prescribing puberty blockers because almost everyone stays on that path once prescribed. That has an effect on people that otherwise would have transitioned back. So I don't, think it's too like I don't think it's too unreasonable to assume like a 96% rate of, uh, of, of, of persistence on uh, something like puberty blockers and then moving on to other forms of transition. Um, you don't have to experience some, you don't have to experience something firsthand to know that it's a thing you don't want to experience. Um, for example, uh, you've probably never eaten poop, Rob, um, but you know you don't want to eat poop, right? So just because you haven't experienced something firsthand doesn't mean that you can't know that it's something that you don't want, right? Because you have other evidence. You've seen other people, um, you've, you haven't seen other people eat poop, I hope. Um, you've seen other people experience puberty, right? So just because you don't have like firsthand experience on something doesn't mean that you don't know you don't want something, right? Um, so I think ideally we do want it to be a very high rate. Doctors can get 96% rate on a lot of things, right? Uh, we there are we are, there are ways that we can diagnose many different kinds of illnesses when it comes to uh, psychiatric illnesses such as gender identity disorder. Um, I think that the idea that we could get like that a 96% success rate doesn't seem too ridiculous to me at all. Do you think, can I just ask you, do you think like with diagnosis of ADD and prescription Adderall, do you think they're 96% correct on that? No, ADD is, um, ADHD now um, is a very, very complicated disorder. Um, okay. In the case of gender identity disorder, it is still complicated as all psychi uh, psychiatric disorders are, but not nearly the same level as like ADHD. Okay, uh, uh, what about, what about like painkiller medication? Do you think it's overprescribed? Uh, pain, yeah, definitely, yeah. Okay, so I just want to ask, I'm not saying that this is proof, but doesn't that cause you to scratch your head and say, geez, when we see these other mistakes that are being made by doctors that have a financial incentive, maybe there, when we see the, such a discrepancy from the amount of people that naturally grow out of gender dysphoria to once we give them puberty blockers, they stay on that course. Doesn't that give you any cause to pause and say, wait a minute, maybe the doctors are overprescribing this and it is causing significant amounts of people to not switch back to their gender assigned at birth. It, it and and let me just really quickly, it, um, I want to I want to change TJ. this question because, you know, he, he pointed out specifically like ADD and that's getting specific with it. But I want to get kind of broad. Is there any psychological disorder on the entire planet, a single one that has only had what will be generous in, say, 50 years of study? Uh, but that's very, very generous because it's really only picked up as of the last couple decades and really the last decade, if we're being really honest. But nonetheless, we'll go ahead and go 50. Is there any psychological disorder only studied as of the last 50 years where they have a 96% successful, not only diagnosing rate, but also 96% um, uh, uh, success with a drug 
to try and fix that problem. Uh, I don't even know uh, of I don't 60%. know the specific rates of uh, I don't know the specific case I don't know the specific rates of uh, the drugs the many different drugs used to treat uh, schizophrenia but I do know that there are a lot of them and that we have a lot of different options, to, uh, options and they're there. way they're way uh, in the case of this ninety six percent rate and puberty is not always it's not always the same um, in the case of puberty blockers it's not always the same thing uh, Luprelinol I believe it is or uh, Luprelinol I, I think it's called. Um, which is like the main one used. There are other things that are also used as puberty blockers. So it's not one medication, right? So there's not really equivalent. Um, there are a lot of different medications used for things like schizophrenia or things like a schizotypal disorder or like even like a bipolar personality disorder. I'll, right, I'll, but that's I'll sort just of my say point, very, right? None of them hit 90%. None of them even me, hit hold, like hold 75%. Hold on, sir, right. sir, sir, sir. You, I, I'd like a, just a chance. It'll be quick uh, response to your question. So um, it's an interesting question, I, but I want to note that you know, obviously we wouldn't come necessarily fully equipped to answer that question, given that that, you know, what, what you asked is not really uh, about anything about puberty blockers. So the fact that we may not have an affirmative for that, uh, you know, not not be able to give you lots of examples doesn't necessarily mean that um, it doesn't exist. So I just want to say that. Okay. Okay. Really and, and, look, and I think either, this right? is, it's, I think this is a good conversation. Funny, because obviously in the case of um, in the case of um, the curability of a disease, um, that doesn't really apply to gender identity disorder and using puberty blockers. Um, what this shows is that people continue to use them. Um, so if you, if you want to like look at that, well, that would be more cure, equivalent. But it's just successful treatment, right? You don't really cure psychological disorders. Well, this isn't, this is not 96% of the treatment is successful. This isn't like a 96% success rate. This is 96% rate of persistence um, of continuing to use the treatment. Well, so I mean, yeah, again, would be very the only thing you're doing is can just I get, like, can I get changing the, the, the definition let's, of turn. Well, you, you did a, just interrupt a, me, let's actually, have a response just to from clear. So, yeah, you talked for a bit. Um, so, yeah, I, really I didn't, actually. I've talked less than anybody in this entire debate. I, I agree with you, CJ. I you promise talk, we'll come right back to you, CJ. I totally get where you're coming from, and we'll give you plenty of time to talk. But just to let Synth finish his point, and I promise we'll come right back to you. Exactly, yeah. So in the case of this 96% persistent rate, persistence rate, that doesn't show a uh, 96% rate of uh, making sure that it doesn't cause them to like kill or that gender identity doesn't cause them to uh, GID doesn't cause them to like kill themselves or it doesn't like uh, entirely prevent like suicidal ideation. They still do have gender identity disorder, right? They still have it. Um, they're still going to have symptoms from it. It's still going to, it's not going to like completely uh, alleviate those symptoms, but it, it, is, it is helpful. Right. And this shows 96% persistence rate. That doesn't show 96% rate of uh relieving the symptoms of gender identity disorder entirely. So it's kind of an, it's not really an equivalent question at all. Um, well, it's, it is an equivalent question though, specifically because that's not what psychological drugs do, right? Like for example, when you take antidepressants, uh, successful treatment of antidepressants is not you stop being depressed. It's that you end up functioning at least. Um, and whatever, you know, however big that spectrum of functioning is, it depends from person to person, of course, but you end up functioning uh, because of the medication or things along with the medication. It's not, you know, there's no such thing as curing depression with drugs. That's not how In the or, case of depression, um, you, you have depression if it's making you dysfunctional. That's the way that most DSM uh, criteria work. Right. That's the way that all, right. Ex exactly. You don't get treatment for something that's not a dysfunction. So I don't understand what that point So if is. it was making there you, is if it was making you, if it stops you from being dysfunctional, it does have a massive hand and effectively alleviating the primary symptom of uh, depression, which is being dysfunctional. Okay, but if uh, the wants to get some points, the, then, the, so the point go ahead, is, Rob. You go first. Yeah, yeah. The point is this: that like we can see, for example, with opioids, right? Most people prescribed opioids stick with them, 
That doesn't mean that the doctors accurately prescribe them opioids. It becomes addictive for a litany of reasons, even if it's not physiologically addictive. And that's what we're talking about. And so you've you've conceded that there are issues where doctors overprescribe medications and then people get hooked on them. But you're confident that this wouldn't be the case here. I'd like to take the debate in the direction of I just don't. I, again, I've seen one study and you're even saying this, the study that you said from Australia, it doesn't show that puberty blockers are effective for any of the things that people are claiming. So I, the only study that your side has presented right now was a survey. That's it. Can you explain why that should be preferred over the National Health Service of the UK and the National Health Service of Sweden, both analyzing litanies of studies and making the claim that they have no confidence that there's been enough testing to ensure that one, these medications are desirable to help children, and second, that they don't have side effects? Well, first of oh, all, um, go ahead, okay. Well, well, first of all, um, I did the the conclusion of that study said that this fits the known data, or I can f find it and and uh, uh, quote from it, but it, it it cites that this fits with the all, all the data that we have, uh, the, the the overwhelming amount of data that we have at this point. So, okay, it's, uh, I mean, it, it, it was referring to other data. I, I know we have other other data, but first of all, I mean, okay. I, I guess I'll, I'll kick it over to Synth in a second. I have some some uh, points that I'd like to make once we move on from this, but I do want to say that a survey is not inherently like a. a it, it depends on on how the, the the survey is is conducted, and this is the largest survey of its kind. And when you uh, like, you know, when, when you talk about uh, longitudinal studies, of course, again, like we want as much as, of that as we can get. But, uh, you know, checking in with people, asking them, is your is, is your health relatively OK? Like, has this helped with suicidal ideation? All those things. It's, it's still like you, you act as if it's absolutely um just uh, not helpful whatsoever, and it, it just—I think you're downplaying the um, the the benefit and the uh, just just the the results of that study. It wouldn't be if if it was as meaningless as you think it happens to be. It would not be published in pediatrics. It would not be published in one of I mean the fourth most respected pediatrics journal within the entire world. It just wouldn't. Okay, so uh, again, even if we could say that surveys are something that could be useful, they're going to supplement actual scientific studies with controls that are long-term longitudinal studies. That would be what's preferred. Like, like let me the just Melbourne data, you, right? What, what's that? Like the Melbourne data that I said. Sure, post you, right? the link. What does it say? Sure. Um, so it's not a survey. Uh, it uses court data instead. Sure, um, and what's, what's, the, what's the conclusion? Sure. You yeah, said no, that... You no, only I'll, said one thing about it. You said that 94% sure. of people Six persist once they're of given, all patients, nine, 96. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What else does it say? Does it say it alleviates uh, suicidal is, thoughts? That it, uh, it, it, this is a, this is a survey on, or not survey. This is a study on persistence, sure. um, not on the uh, relief of suicidal ideation. Right. That's, that's my point. That, so again, the they're point all of this the ones debate, you're talking uh, to. Okay. So Robert, again, you, so again, just the to, only just, point, Rob, hold one, just to be sure that we got the Full answer from Synth, to be sure you finish with a sentence. I appreciate your uh, tenacity, but just to be sure we heard the rest from Synth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, no, Rob, the um, the issue is you referred to this as a study, in or, or not a study, you referred to this as a survey in order to write it off. Um, and the, the issue is we're not going to have things that are both um, showing rates of persistent generally and also showing the ability for it to uh, 
relieve suicidal ideation, but we can take both of these things and make judgments because of it, right? We could take individual studies and put together like larger worldviews around that. So uh, go ahead, I, I don't disagree with that. Are you, are you finished? Yeah, go I ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. Cool. I don't disagree with that, right? The problem is the first, what you're saying here, this, again, we've given, you might not agree with CJ and I, but we've given a plausible explanation just because people persist with the medication doesn't mean that the medication's helpful. So the reason that we, I think that I did a good job outlining when it comes to children because they can't consent, we ought to be damn sure that the medication we're giving them is necessary and it's safe. And you haven't provided any evidence of that. You provided one study from Australia that says most people that get on it stay on it. And then you provided a survey. Again, you say, well, why would this survey be published in a bunch of these institutions if it's not a really great survey? Okay, can you ex can either of you explain to me why is your argument that the National Health Service of Britain is transphobic and that's why they're intentionally misrepresenting these longitudinal studies? Again, why wouldn't we prefer a national health service from a country that we're told is a health service country that we should look to emulate? Them researching for over a year every study that they could and coming to the conclusion that they think it would be very bad to Give puberty blockers to the children because there's just not enough evidence and the evidence that we have is very poor why would they publish that if it's not true okay um like honestly um i'd like to 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 move on i mean synth if you want to tackle that that's that's fine it's just i feel like we've we've been staying on this this one thing for a very long time and there's just a wealth of other topics within this one topic to discuss so sure. synth do you want to, to i want to say i want to say one last thing and then um, that we can move it to wherever the um, the the rest of the group wants i don't want to like force people to stick onto this topic um but we if it's the issue is a lack of like the number of studies i didn't want to throw out a bunch of points to you at once because I, I think it's a little bit unfair to like dish gallop you with a bunch um, but we can look at the, uh, there is a uh, study from Amsterdam from 1972 up to 2015, uh, which shows a 95% rate, uh, a study of about 143 uh, youth in the Netherlands, which shows a 3.5% desistance rate. So that's the inverse, right? Uh, a Williams Institute report uh, that finds there is no significant difference between the number of trans teens and the number of trans adults, 0.7 and 0.6% respectively. Um, that uh, the, the slight decrease in the older age groups could be down to a uh, rejection from peers alone. Um, so we have more than just one or two studies. I just want to rock out a bunch that you'd have to address. Um, I, I, now I have, I ask, so I, I guess can, we can go wherever you guys can want. Can I ask now. you a question real quick? Do any mm -hmm. of those studies, those are just talking about desistance rates, right? They don't talk about That's uh, what you want to study for. Right. No, I wanted to, like, again, You asked me about the, the rate of desistance. No, that's not, we, we've moved earlier. on from that. We've moved okay. on from that, right? <laughs> the rate of desistance, sure. there's never been a disagreement. Me and CJ have agreed from the get-go. Yes, a huge percentage of people that take puberty blockers mm -hmm. never transmission back to their gender. There's no debate there. Again, uh, the can, question that- Can you, can you repeat that? Can you, can you just repeat true. that? I'm, I'm not, I, yes, I, I could, huge, couldn't understand what you said. A huge portion, whether it be 100%, 94%, as the Australian mm -hmm. study said, some of these others, I've conceded this from the get-go. It's part of my argument. A huge percentage of people that are put on puberty blockers never transition back to their sex assigned at birth. And you're and and you, there's no disagreement are, there. Are, are are you contending that taking puberty blockers makes someone more prone than to to becoming transgender to 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 sticking with their um uh, you know preferred gender, which is opposite to their their gender at birth? 
Yes, the evidence seems to suggest because well, there are a lot then, of young people, real quick, because there are a lot yeah. of young people that transition back to their sex assigned at birth if they're not given puberty blockers. And then once they're given puberty blockers, there's only two explanations. I just, I, one, just, I, just, I just needed a yes or a no. I don't, I didn't okay, need I, I don't understand. Like, I think we've been very clear. There's only two explanations. Either right, one, right, right. the doctors and, and, and I can, I can, I can, I can address second, this very, that very they're prescribing it to people and it has an effect. That they don't go back to their Rob, sex assigned at birth. Rob, the otherwise once would. again, I will say that if that was the case and that they had a likelihood of making someone trans, then girls who take it for for uh, precocious puberty would becoming trans. Like, like, like they, there's answer. not that. No, it is an, it, It's a perfectly good answer because there's nothing about their state of being that is going to make them. Uh, that, that is going to change their physiology, their physiology in a way that 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 is different from it. It's just like there. Synth, do you understand what I'm saying here? Maybe you can kind of. I, uh, can, yeah. yeah, let me. Rob and CJ, let me try um, to repeat your argument back to you, so that, that uh, you know that I know where you're coming from. You're saying the explanatory factor for um, why the puberty blockers given to other groups of people. Um, that aren't aren't uh, being diagnosed for gender identity disorder and they're being used for other means. The reason they don't turn out to be trans is because there is not like the environment around them, right? Of uh, that pushes them towards being trans. This is the this is your explanatory factor, yeah, correct? I'll just if you give me ten and seconds because if you were confused, I, I, I was just making sure that we're on the same page. And yeah, if you're confused, I, I want to ask one about, more thing, and then I'll let you I'll let you talk. I'll let you go. So, other than that, the uh, that would mean I guess then, right? Um, that if you just if you were to take a person who is in the same environment. And they weren't given puberty blockers at all. They would also be pushed towards being trans, correct? Possibly. Okay, so this likely, is a, yeah, the, I would even say likely because you know sorry. we do have, uh, like I said, it's not in this particular instance, but we do have tons of instances, you know, with unrelated things like Stockholm syndrome and cults and stuff like that. And I'm not even necessarily saying so that then the problem you have that. isn't even. Oh, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. Well, my only point is just to say that we do know. For, and even if you don't want to go, because those are extreme examples, even just think of the fact that most people retain their birth religion, right, which is a very unextreme example. Um, the idea is just that when you have, like, structures set up around you that tell you you definitely believe a certain thing, uh, act a certain way, are a certain way, so on and so forth, uh, people absolutely do adopt those, regardless of what the, the situation and topic happens to be. So I think that would be very likely that even without uh beauty blockers it could potentially be now i don't know necessarily you'd have to do like a test right where you had one group which maybe was in this environment without the puberty blockers a group that was in this environment with the puberty blockers and then maybe two groups that were kind of the inverse of both of those and like have a four-way study that could be perhaps ideal um but i, I think it's likely to to finish my point it's just sure so then your argument doesn't even really point at puberty blockers being the issue and i, I know it's, i think vadim you wanted other things to you no, no, other things. Quick, yeah, if i, I, could, re I if just... could respond because my response sure, is yeah, yeah, go, go ahead and re go ahead. Be real quick if you if you're in an environment where you don't know what your sex is and you have people tell you being gender affirming care and you never go through puberty how would you ever know that you were the sex that you would so even if even if you are in that environment as cj saying but then you hit puberty and you go oh wait yeah i am a boy I can um, tell now sexes? because I'm hitting puberty. If you stop that puberty from occurring, then you're going to see, how would you know? How would you know if you think, maybe I, I was biologically like born a boy, real quick, like I was biologically born a boy, and then, but I don't know, I feel like I'm a girl. And it turns out most people, when they start to hit puberty, go, oh, okay, actually, I do feel like a boy, never let hit puberty. If you never hit that puberty, how would you know? 
Well, that's the difference. Okay, first of all, of course, you I, I assume you know this. They do go through puberty. They just go through a, I mean, eventually, if they continue with it, they go through the puberty of their preferred gender. Um, but I'd like to move this to a different thing. I'd, I'd like to highlight other reasons why taking puberty blockers um, are a good thing that have not been outlined. I mean, we've talked about suicidal ideation. We've talked about, um, well, there's also anxiety. There's also studies that show that people, due to lack of anxiety, will do generally better at schoolwork. And that is, of course, important in terms of setting them up for the rest of their lives. But um, very importantly, it also allows for a far more passable transition over the course of their adulthood. Um, there's plenty of effects of going through puberty of, of the gender that they were assigned with at birth that are irreversible, which often create continued dysphoria. So, of course, like the, the likelihood of problems with dysphoria are drastically reduced this way. And finally, it's far less costly not um, to uh, to um, go through. It's far less costly if you actually take puberty blockers, because you then you're not left with all these irreversible effects and trans patients often ha have to, they often have to spend far more than they would have otherwise to have a whole range of surgeries that they would not have to do otherwise in order to reach a level where they feel like they pass suitably. So um, those, I felt it was very important to highlight all of those benefits, which you just are not going to get if you allow a child to go through um, uh, to, 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 to go through puberty as they normally would. Okay, so the, the problem with this is all of those things are superficial. The reason that those things would matter is because of people's mental health. For example, uh, you wanting to have gender reassignment surgery and wanting to pass more as the gender that you identify with, those things all matter because it could affect your mental health. And again, I go back to this. I'm waiting for either of you to provide studies. Show me the studies that show that it improves mental health or that it improves suicide rates or anxiety. Again, I could read from, I, I'm the only one reading non studies i'm actually Please. reading from two two yes you haven't you you haven't he, yes okay. he, he, he named a bunch real quick what, what, he what, what is this what is may this I finish may i finish you had a large block to talk no one interrupted you he sent named a bunch of studies that I kept asking, does that talk about suicide rates? Does that talk about anxiety? He said, no, it just talks about people that stick with it. That's it. I keep saying, can you provide the studies that suggest, because again, we have the best health service systems in the world or at least what we're told are amongst the best in both Sweden and the UK, both have looked at nine or have looked at multiple longitudinal studies and came to the conclusion they had no confidence that things, and I can read this to you. I can read exactly what it said. It's talking about things like impact on mental health. The study by DeVries and all found in 70 adolescents of gender dysphoria found that treatment with GNRH analogs before starting gender affirming hormones does not affect anger does not affect anxiety and all of these things. Again, I read the conclusion again that said that even the studies that suggested there could be some benefits, they didn't have control groups. They have no evidence. Like one of the things, if you read this, they talk about a lot 
if you're the type of parent that's willing to have your child go through puberty blockers, you're probably the type of parent that's taken their psychological health seriously before that. It turns out that parents that have a vested interest in their children, guess what? Their children are less likely to have anxiety. They're less likely to have suicidal thoughts and things like that. These control studies were never, I can do both of your jobs better than you. Uh, for example, the first ACLU, a lot, Robert, with the, your, your narrative of it being like a cult-like environment earlier, right? Who said anything? I didn't say it. CJ, CJ was talking did. about cult-like Yeah, no, somebody did on your team, right? Okay. You well, both did. So you you both, everything. Okay. Well, the I, would, said, I would say you, you both, both did. Yeah, you both did. I didn't say anything. Look, look the truth okay. is there is a lot. Come on. Listen, again, it's, you, it's amazing. Come on. You, you, you were talking. No, 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 no. I'm not going to let you get away with this. Hold on one second. I hate to jump in, but just so we definitely heard a good chunk of time from you, Rob. And so I want to give it back to Synth and Vadim. And we also, folks, will be going to the Q&A shortly. So we'll still have some interchanges back and forth for Rob and, and CJ to get more in as well. But do want to mention, folks, we are excited for Q&A. If you happen to have questions, fire them into the old live chat. If you you have two options. One, Super Chat, we read those first. Two, if you just tag me with Modern Day Debate, I can also scoop your question from the chat that way as well. And so thanks so much. And go ahead, Synth and Vadim. So, Rob, I just don't see how you could not spot that you were doing just that, that you were making it sound either like a cult or like children are being taken advantage of when you kept on highlighting the uh, something you keep on talking about wanting studies. You have absolutely no studies to uh, back this up. You kept on saying that the that there is, in your opinion, a high likelihood that these things are being very over prescribed just so doctors can make money. So, um, you know, like like. To me, that's like kind of getting into like the whole cult thing. But I'd like to um, hit on you. You you said a, a bunch of times that children can't consent, and this is sort of like a loaded way of putting things. Because first of all, children aren't on their own consenting. Well, as I outlined in the beginning, they, uh, first of all, have plenty of sessions. They are seeing endocrinologists, they are seeing psychiatrists, they are seeing doctors, they are seeing pediatricians. They are doing this usually over the period of a few years, and they're making these decisions with their, with, with their family. With their with their parents, you know, it's it's not just like they're walking in and saying like, "Hey, I want some puberty blockers, give them to me now," and you know they get them like a Snickers bar and walk out. It's just not that way, dude. So, um, it, and then when it comes to consent, um, children consent to all sorts of things. I mean, a children is going to consent if they you know need something like chemotherapy or something of, of, of that sort. And then there are also things that, I mean, I'm just curious, do you have a problem with, uh, say, um, uh, circumcision? Is that something that you have a problem with? Because that's something that children don't consent. That's an extremely invasive surgery. And we just do. So, so the reason why I bring that up is because it's like you're talking about a lack of consent when there are all these sorts of things I could name more where children um, are, are, are giving consent to things and, 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 uh, and, and there's a number of things where, where they don't. And in this case, they, they, really, this is the, the, the main point that I'm trying to make here. They are informed just because of the fact that they're in their teens doesn't mean that they can't know that their their gender identity, just like you at 16 probably knew that you were heterosexual or gay. I don't want to assume what, you know, like, or, or, or bisexual. I don't want to assume sure. no, what, no, what no. you are. 
So um, I don't know. I, I I have more to say, but yet I want to be fair and either let Synth or one of you guys talk right now. So okay, just real quick. When we're talking about consent, we we allow children to have medications if they're not experimental. We could have a conversation on circumcision. I might surprise you in what I think about it. But the point is, you or Synth have not cited one study. Not one study. Not one study that sought to say that it lowers suicide rates, it helps with anxiety, it helps with depression. You haven't cited one. All you've done was cite study after study that show the majority of people that take puberty blockers stick with gender reassignment. That's it. That's the only studies... I'm citing studies, and again, it's ironic because we started this off with your opening statement saying, oh, the science is on our side. You have, I'm literally Sense. citing from that, please, I, I, I left you talk. I'm literally I know, citing you're making, from you're, you're, national, make, you're making a, a, an incorrect statement, and I'd like Sin to study. set the record straight. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the reason I brought up those several studies earlier, Rob, was because you asked about the rates of assistance. Um, you did. You said at what rate do you think it is? Uh, you say it's a, you. You asked even asked like, is it above or below fifty percent? Um, real well into it. That's why I cited you several studies. You said I cited no studies initially. Now you've moved it to oh, those studies were on the wrong thing. That's not true. Um, you you did. We can roll the tape back at some sure, point. Sure, we can. Watch this back. Yeah. I so, was talking um, to there are absolutely. Absolutely, a lot of studies. I have a uh, DV. Uh, here we. I'll I'll open it up, and um, I believe this is uh, going to be the PubMed link on this study, uh, which shows behavioral and emotional problems and depressive symptoms decreased uh, while general functioning improved significantly during puberty suppression. Uh, if you'd like, Would I'll you link that link? to you. Yeah, please. Sure. Uh, Who's how do I the this thingy? Uh, oh, let me open it back up. Uh, the study is from. It is a uh, study from. It's got a. Four authors here. Uh, one is uh, Deviris. I can't pronounce that name right. properly. Uh, um, so Steen real Sma. quick, if you don't mind me, uh, if you don't yeah, mind sure. me, uh, let's talk about, would it surprise you to know that DeVries et al. 2011? Is that what you're talking about? Well, surprise, uh, surprise. Should, yeah, it should be. Yeah. Okay, surprise, surprise. That's literally one of the nine studies that was looked mm -hmm. at by the National Health Service. Literally. Yes. For some, so again, mm -hmm. they read the DeFry study and they said, listen, we don't have confidence that this study says what they're claiming it does. Because in sure. reality, there's no control group. So again, that's why I'm so, like, I'm trying to get what, to- You said there's no control group? They, this, do you want, I'll just read what they said. Like, sure. uh, so one second. We get, it, it's lengthy, but uh, again, I'll, I'll post here. Right. Methods. Of the 70 eligible candidates who received puberty suppression between 2000 and 2008, psychological functioning and gender dysphoria were ass uh, assessed twice at T0 when attending the gender identity clinic uh, before the start of GNRHA and at T1 shortly before the start of cross-sex hormone treatment. Okay, so here we go. Executive summary of the review. Nine observational studies were included in the evidence review. Five mm -hmm. studies were retrospective. Uh, three studies were prospective, uh, and that includes uh, Costa and Al DeVries in 2011. Two studies were uh, provided comparative evidence. The terminology used in this topic is continually evolving and depending on. In this evidence review, we use the phrase people's uh, critical outcomes. Uh, it talks about the study in DeVries said gender dysphoria found the treatment uh, does not affect gender dysphoria. Second, on mental health. Uh, DeVries and all 70 adolescents gendered for you found that treatment before starting does not affect anger, found that it does not affect anxiety. We'll go down to their conclusions. This is one of the studies that they use. They talk about in their conclusion that they do not, uh, which I already read like three times. Um, sorry, 
it's hard to scroll. It's page. No, their conclusion says that they, puberty suppression may be considered a valuable contribution in the clinical from management. The, from the National Health Health Services that looked at this study along with eight other study. Quote, the results of the studies that reported impact on critical outcomes of gender dysphoria and mental health, depression, anger, and anxiety, and the important outcomes of body image and psychological impact, global and psychological funding, in children and adolescents with gender dysphoria are of very low certainty. They suggest little change with puberty blockers from baseline to follow-up. Studies okay, that so found the NHS different says outcomes- this. So the NHS says one thing that agrees with you, and every other medical association on the, on the world uh, agrees with us. So if that's we're just going to do that, that's not, we're just going to hold up like, that's I have the I have okay. the big guy on my team. I have another study if sure. you'd like to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, JAMA um, in April 28th of 2021 uh, published Association Between Gender Affirming surgery, Surgeries and Mental Health Outcomes. And the uh, results of that are, are the conclusions and relevance. This study demonstrates an association between gender-affirming surgery and improved mental health outcomes. They result; uh, the, These results contribute new evidence to support the provision of gender-affirming surgical care. Okay, that's surgical care. I guess I guess that's not- Not with um, children, surgical care, uh, not talking about with children. Got it. Oh, okay, okay, all right, all right, all right, but, 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 it does show that um, that there are it, what is relevant here is that there are uh, that there are improved mental health outcomes, and the reason I mean I think one can logically deduce why uh, there are positive outcomes is because of the fact that they are enabled to uh, like have a more passable body and that's that that that's what the, the you know that's why people take these uh, uh I'm, I'm sorry i'm getting a little, <laughs> i don't know why i'm having a, a little trouble talking here that's why they take puberty blockers in order to allow their bodies to not fully reach past transition so do you, do you see the the the, uh, the connection here well, no, the, 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 the connection is both of these things allow people to pass better. And that's the reason why they are feeling better. And as a matter of fact, I'd like to bring up before you were saying, oh, well, that, that's just, um, I, and I hope you re- remember what I'm talking about, but you were like, oh, that's just a, uh, a mental health issue. Well, all of these things are mental health issues. It's, we're, we're talking about the, the, uh, the, issues that people have with their their own bodies and the anxiety and depression and uh, you know suicidality all those things that that can bring um and 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 let me let me ask you one more question do you just doubt that there that 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 like uh experiencing gender dysphoria does lead to uh, i mean you you do know that it it does lead to suicidality right you you don't doubt that Sure. Okay. Uh, right. I mean, obscenely so. I, if my understanding is correct, it's like the highest controlled group for suicidality in the world. Right. Right. It is. But uh, having these 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 therapies reduces the. I mean, no, it, that's where we disagree, right? No one's disagree. You keep. Everyone keeps bringing up things that we agree. The question is: Are these experimental medications that we have the most prominent health services in the world saying this is too experimental? The evidence, the only okay. evidence now that you've the said most real, prominent in the world, don't say that. Why, please, yeah, no, go go ahead, go ahead, please. Uh, so again, you've cited a survey and you cited DeVry's, right? 
which was actually looked at by the National Health Service that says, we do not find this compelling. It analyzed like 70 people. They didn't think that there were that there was enough to be able to suggest that this is something that we should be able to prescribe puberty blockers for children, right? The disagreement we're having is when I didn't get a chance to answer this, but when we were talking about consent, we don't. As adults, if you want to take an experimental drug or therapy, that's fine. You have the ability to weigh the pros and cons. Children don't have that. And so we they as adults need to make sure that do. No, they don't. It's it's absurd to even claim that they do. They, so, yes, so for they example, do. if a child walks in, real quick, if a child walks in and says, uh, so I put my wrist, I'd like fentanyl. A child can consent, a 16-year-old child or a 15-year-old child can, can, can legally take birth control on their own. They understand that they can understand the risks involved with that. There are more risks than taking uh, Luprin. And, um, y- y- you know, like, it's it's just, it's really the fact that this is trans-related. Okay, so so I just, just, just real, like real quickly, I, I, have, I, have a, I, have, I have a question for you. I have, I have a question. Oh, I just want to interrupt you I, I just, quick, I just so want to know. Again, the difference is birth right, control one, is one a Gentlemen, gentlemen, one, one thing is we do have to, I want to hear from CJ a bit more if you have anything to say, CJ. I hate to do that, mm-hmm. but just because it's been a, <laughs> this has been a fast-paced one, so CJ... <laughs> has a mellow nature that uh, I want to be sure if you had anything to add, you, you would be able to. Uh, well, so I, there, there is a couple things for sure. So the first thing I would want to, to point out is just briefly in regards to the consent thing. Um, I think usually we tend to say children can start to give certain forms of consent around the age of 16 years old. My understanding uh, of puberty blockers is that you want to, you want to be like, almost done with your treatment by 16 because logically you're supposed to be done with pubescency by the age of 16. So obviously you would like to block it before then, probably between the ages of 13, 14. I would, uh, I assume you'd probably stay, uh, start as young as 12. Uh, and my understanding of what I've read from, uh, other people, which to be fair is not as strong as it could be, uh, has seemingly suggested exactly that you start at about the age when pubescency would begin, which is sometime between the ages of 12 and 13, wanting to be completed with your roughly 24 month treatment by the ages of 15 and 16 when you start to enter your post pubescency period, right? Um, I don't know of anything that 12 year old children are allowed to consent to. In fact, uh, I remember even, you know, just being in high school and I wanted to get like an aspirin because I had a headache, right, in my freshman year. They had to call my father and make sure that he got consent, right? Because I wasn't allowed to take the aspirin, nor were my technical legal guardians, which is what your principal at school actually is in that instance, right? Nor was he allowed to, because even though he was my legal guardian in that instance, it was a custodianship. It wasn't like his actual guardianship like my father would be, right? It's a ridiculous point, by the way, given what we've, what, what we've already... I'm, I'm just saying... like. like, like I mean, I'll I'll go on to explain why, but you're you're just making a completely ridiculous statement because uh, how I, is that ridiculous? Like the, it's the, the, ridiculous. The, it's ridiculous because I've outlined numerous times that it's not a child on their own just saying like, "Hey, I want that." They are going through rigorous uh, stu- like me- meetings with various different types of doctors and psychological professionals, and they are hearing out and being explained with their parents all of the risks and benefits that are known with taking these therapies. It's yeah, that, you, 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 make, you, you make it sound, no, no, that's absolutely, no, hang on. No, that's it's absolutely relevant because they're not because making it on their own. You're making it, it sound. It doesn't matter if they're making it on their own. That's not the point. That's not the point. The point is that they're not capable of making the decision, period, right? For example, child marriage. 
nobody in a child marriage is can, making can, can, it on can, the child's can, own, right? They have a, usually a religious official involved. The elder members of the family are involved. The other person's family are involved. That doesn't make the child marriage cool. Right? So, so like, is it okay if a child if all of a sudden develops some spontaneous? What, 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 what if a kid has has cancer? Like, like they they they, they then they, they're first off their parents alone usually have to uh, give the consent, not the child. So that's the the first thing to get clear. Uh, the second thing, when a child has cancer, um, is frankly that's not the same thing, right? You're talking about a situation. In Again, fact, if I could interject, chemotherapy real quick. by itself proves that it's not the same thing because chemotherapy Just is literally. Say. And attempts to kill everything in the body. You don't do that for things that are normal. You do that for things that are so bad that you're going to die in the next six to 12 months if we don't do something. So, right? CJ, um, I'm Obviously, not sure if you agree with... is different than yeah. transitioning or anything of that nature. Like, it's just ridiculous to claim that children can, like, are capable of making these decisions. They're not. Here, look, I, I actually sure. want um, to... Yeah, but, 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 but the thing is... This is an is... aspirin thing, okay? You, you see this? <laughs> On the back of this, it says not to take this unless you are 12 years of age. This mm -hmm. is a Ameriprazole. So uh, anti-acid reducer. Once again, 12 years of age. Because they're bad this for your liver, CJ. It's vitamin C. It is literally only vitamin C. It's not even medication. 14 is what it says on the back. Don't take it's this unless you're at least 14. In other words, because all of those we don't can harm your liver, CJ. Are, are your liver. allowed to take non-life threatening they, situations. They can take all <laughs> those things when they consult a physician and when they talk to their parents about it. And they consent, like, like they, they, they can say like, oh yeah, I need that. So they do consent. I mean, it's just, it's it's such uh, an I'd like to bring up one thing. Um, uh, so so when it comes to because you keep on saying that these uh, that, that this, these are experimental drugs and that you know the the outcomes or rather the side effects are a danger. So I just want to I want to ask you both just a, a yes or no would would suffice. Um, are you guys familiar with an alternative that is not usually prescribed uh, or is prescribed less for for gender dysphoria? Uh, albutrol sulfate. Are you guys familiar with it? Not to, in particular. Okay, well, I just want to read you these these uh, uh, side effects. Headache, dizziness, insomnia, persistent cough, nausea, nervousness, shakiness, mu muscle aches, and more serious, um, although less common side effects include rapid heart rate, ra rapid heart rate, and heart palpitations. So, I mean, how do you feel about- the, Yeah, do you guys think those outweigh the- do you guys do, think those outweigh the, the the fact that this is like um, a thing that can save people's lives? Do you think those 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 minor side effects can do that? Uh, so what you're doing is reading off a medication that's been it probably has nothing to do with puberty blockers. You're trying to get us in some gotcha. Uh, what it is, it's probably like aspirin or some something that's prescribed. No, it's, 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 it's real it's, quick, real quick. I, I sit here and let everyone talk. It's good. What we're doing is again, what we're doing is you're talking about drugs that there have been rigorous research on, including on children and the long term effects of them. That's not we're not talking about birth control. We're not talking about chemotherapy. The reason that parents and children can come to decisions on those sorts of treatments is because they've been assured by rigorous testing in the medical community doing long longitudinal tests including on long-term effects as to whether or not those things are safe so when you say well in reality what happens is that these kids are talking with their doctors and they're telling them the side effects what the studies are saying is the doctors don't know the side effects because the research hasn't been done so even doctors if the doctor do, says, right? no, All they the don't. The doc no, they don't. Um, so, so wait, 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 wait. We can get a pretty quick vote. This is very important. We've got two people on the same. Okay, so mm -hmm. uh, what, I, what we can do is we can give you a quick 
pithy okay. response, and then we do have to go into okay. the Q&A. Okay, so, so Synth, let me take this, okay? Go ahead, yeah. Because, because you were right. I was talking about asthma inhalers. They've only been around since 1982. So you're really only talking about eight years uh, more of, of being around. And, and uh, you know, as, as I said before, like you, you, you keep on discounting it, but these, this medication has been around for other, for, for, for decades far longer than, um, you know, it's been widely prescribed for puberty blockers. And we, we they, they have not found these, these side effects to be more uh, uh, severe. And you have not outlined a reason why we would think just only in the case of prescribing it for, gender non-conforming children or or rather uh, trans children is going to uh, somehow inhibit a, a far worse response than we see in other humans who happen to take it. You haven't done that. And it's ridiculous. Sure. sure. Uh, so let me just ask you point blank, just real quick. Um, it's so evident. Short. It's so obvious. It's so obvious. Why do you think the National Health Service made this huge mistake then? Um, probably because it's like the UK is probably one of the most transphobic countries in the world compared to um, Sweden? Most of the Western and Sweden. Countries. Sweden, Sweden well. didn't make this mistake. One hospital in Sweden did. Would you like me? No. Would you like me to read Sweden's study the, again? Would you like would me you, to read? Do you the think the, it's the entirety of Sweden that has this banned puberty blockers? It says it, it's not that they banned them. The they answer is they, no. The right again. Let, no. So there was the National Health, uh, the, the Swedish Agency for Health Technological sure. Assessment did this study. They commissioned a study, and I already read you the results of this study. Mm -hmm. That they said that there's not enough research to talk about the long term effects. And what sure. you're talking like, one gender clinic doing this as opposed to like the, the vast mm -hmm. majority of major health organizations around the world, which you claim none of them support it. Um, the AMA, the uh, both APAs, the uh, OEA, the Endocrine Society, the American Academy of Family Physicians, massive organizations, huge organizations, um, all which disagree with you and agree with us. Um, show me you're the pointing science. to show me the studies. Yeah, the issue is what you're doing now is you're not pointing to a study. Um, what you're doing right. is you're pointing to the NHS going and doing an overview of other studies. They also did overviews of studies, right? So when you point to the NHS doing this and say, this is legitimate for my side, but we can't do the same with every other health organization in the world, this seems remarkably unfair. No, 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 please. Maybe, I mis maybe you misunderstood me. I welcome you to show these health agencies saying, here are the nine studies we looked at and here's our conclusion. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, I'll go, I'll go ahead and grab absolutely the... Uh, yeah, go, ahead. Go, go, go ahead. I was just going to say, I just think it's absolutely ridiculous to think that any of those uh, associations that I mentioned in the beginning would ever go come out and say, like, be uh, as uh, like stridently for puberty blockers without having any uh, like any data to back that up i mean like like they that's not how medicine works they work off of data they don't work off of fields right and so uh, when i cite evidence when we actually see the difference is the side i'm citing went through the study you could read the study and how they go through it and how they came to their conclusions the when i read that real quick studies, real quick Rob? when i read that when i read that nhs or when i read that since says oh they're transphobic we discount them they're transphobic and then you say no. but we have to trust these England other organizations is that's literally what you no, said I, that's I, literally i didn't say i didn't say the nhs was transphobic yeah. i said there's an explanatory factor for why the nhs in particular would have a more right-leaning view on this than every single other every single other organization we can provide sources for, like for example the APA. The APA didn't just like feel about this; they did go through the studies, right? They did do Let's that. See it. Sure. Um, so I can link you the the specific APA uh, action thing, and they'll go through the uh, the 
what they think about the data here. Um, we can go over like the uh, we can go over other things as well. Do you want to just link that link all of these to sure, you? Sure, link it and then tell sure, me. Uh, it's what, in the chat on the right side, right? So I look for them. Go, yeah, sure. So uh, it'll be nice to see what they're saying. Like we looked at these nine longitudinal studies, and here's how we evaluated uh, the control groups that they had, the methodology that they had, uh, whether or not we had confidence in their conclusion. I'm, I totally welcome that. I do sure, want um, to. If you look in the right side of the screen, you should yep, see those. See. Or my handful of those. You want to go over like from top, from bottom to top, Cam? Yeah, sure, sure. Go for it. Sure. Um, so the APA, uh, they source uh, the American Psychologist Volume 79, uh, number 9, 2015, which also sorts of sources studies here. Um, but the, the, overall, the overarching um, uh, conclusion here is that the APA absolutely does agree that uh, this is a legitimate means uh, preventing a lot of a lot of means of but that's not, what we, that's not what you said it was going to say you said it, that it was going to go through source the studies. studies it does you, you it said it was many go, studies no 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 it just yes. said this study says this it doesn't say this is why we believe this study here was the, the methodology here's how we evaluate it compared to other studies that's yes, what the national health service did for reputations that's what the National Health Service did. So I'm just If you curious. want to see the methodology of the study, the study will sh tell you the no, methodology. No, it's not just about. the methodology, right? What this group, That's there's what you two just different ways about, to do how we did the for study, example, right? For that example, I could say, for example, there's two ways I could do this. As Rob Knorr, who has a channel, sure. we all have channels, right? I could do this. I could say, I trust this study from CJ 2021. I trust this study. And it says puberty yeah, blockers Rob. are bad. And you, so then I would say, I sourced a study. I sourced a study. You might say, well, wait a minute. Why do you have confidence in that study? Have you compared it to other studies? That's one way of doing it. Or I could say, I've looked at nine longitudinal studies what with study the have health you compared experts it to? in my country. Wait, the NHS has been the compare studies. That the evidence is lacking. Rob, you're just dis you're being remarkably disingenuous here. The NHS no, no. didn't compare didn't compare studies that disagree to studies that did and come to those conclusions. What they did they is they tried to go they went through through studies that agreed, only studies that agreed, and they tried to refute these studies. Right? They didn't show studies that uh, that show that there's like a, um that there's actually like a negative effect. That's not puberty true. Blockers. That's not what, true. Okay, which studies of yours uh, have a have a negative effect for puberty blockers? For example, they cite the study on bone density and uh, the, bone density loss. Bone density, you think, is a so so? There's effectively no negative uh, mental health effects. It's just bone density. No, that, it, again, it suggests the thing which uh, also exists for kids who are looking, given puberty again, blockers for precocious puberty. What it was puberty. doing? What, so what these people are doing? But you don't disagree with precocious puberty using puberty again, blockers. Again, you said that they only looked at studies that were pro puberty blocker. That's not so, true. They looked at studies and they said that both the studies that for the were mental health effects, against, correct? Please, please, please. Uh, they looked at studies that were both for and against puberty mm -hmm. blockers, and they came to the conclusion that they did not feel that there was a large enough body of evidence to make a conclusion either way. And therefore, we shouldn't be using children as guinea pigs testing unproven medication without a large enough body of evidence to determine whether the so medicines are necessary your and strongest they don't have harmful source side is the NHS being neutral about it. Correct. And we have a bunch of organizations that are affirming actively our position. No, what you have is a bunch of organizations that are just citing sources and they're not looking at those sources in the methodology. You don't think this was at first think group that's not saw, looking at the methodologies? Yeah, right, that, that's, that's exactly just, what I'm telling you. That these are people that just want to say this is our opinion and we stick with it, sure. but they haven't gone through, they have not done this, the work, the scientific work this to is go through so, and look at these studies and make comparative Rob, analysis to Rob, determine whether or not that they are. Rob, can Vadim get in here? Rob, Rob, it's so embarrassing to it like, embarrassing. like like no, it is embarrassing to assume that the 
these like again the the end the endocrinology wait, wait, wait what are they called um, the, the endocrine society literally the largest group within the world the largest and most respected group um, the, the, like to think that they would just be like yeah we like this but we have absolutely no data to back that up I mean, to, to genuinely think that that's the way that huge medical bodies that are literally the most respected within their relevant fields, that that's how they, they do things. It's do, just, do you want to hear the, can I quote the endocrine society? Can I quote the endocrine society real quick? Can I quote them? Please, this is very important. Yes, yes, yes. I'd love to hear your cherry picked, your cherry picked. Let me quote them. James is trying to say something. We are, let's have, let's have CJ have the last word. We haven't heard from CJ a lot. And then we got to go into the Q and A. It's already been two hours so go ahead cj i just want to point out you you just claimed that the nhs operated that way that it's because of some level of transphobia right uh no. that they come to the conclusions that they come to um no. or because of that. that's that is literally explicitly what you claimed you said that britain is the most transphobic slightly misinterpreting i understand why if you want i can clarify i go go right ahead Sure. So uh, I don't I don't think that the uh, the reason the NHS operates this way is because of some kind of like active transphobia or bigotry. Uh, I just think they're in an environment where that that's going to be nest like a lot more common than other places, and so that can affect their judgment. Um, but if you like, you can go ahead and get the last word, and I don't want to um, uh, eat into your time. Well, that still to that still even totally works with what I would, what I would be <laughs> trying to say. And in fact, I would even say, um, it, you know, I, I would question. Well, what about when all of these different organizations said something different about? Um, transgenderism or about anything for that matter, nymphomania, homosexuality, all that other kind of yeah. stuff. Like, were they all still, you know, well, they're all highly respected. And so it's really important, right? Was it still all that stuff then? Or was it at that point because of maybe some level of bias, some level of environment, they grew up in the world, whatever it happens to be, right? It doesn't really matter. The point is they were wrong and they were wrong because of human agenda, really, even if it was subconscious, right? Um, I totally think that such a thing could occur. In fact, to, I'm, I'm just curious, um, simple uh, yes or no would be fine. I, if you want to explain, you can, but I'm just curious. Uh, what do you guys think about medical marijuana? Good, bad? I don't really um, care about it. Okay. I, I mean, I think it's, it's good, but it can have um, negative effects. It can have positive effects. I actually agree with you, Vadim. Did you know that most of the most well-respected uh, medical organizations in the world, uh, even despite clear evidence to the contrary, would disagree with what you just said in fact it's in the united states at least it's listed as a drug with no discernible medical uh positive medical effects whatsoever um now obviously that's not the, the question right we're not talking about uh weed but notice what we have now here we have an issue where now you have to come to a conclusion is it because of bias that they have decided that weed has absolutely nothing there and if it is because of bias then how come it's not possible for them to be biased on this issue and if it's not because of bias, then obviously it's due to some methodological issue. How come it's not the same? How come we can't say the same thing about a uh, methodological issue in this one and, and so on and so forth? In other words, just because these medical groups have certain opinions, what does that actually mean? We know that, for example, certain societies' views on these things are changing. We expect that the uh, majority opinions might change as well. What, what, is that, what impact does that actually have on the question itself, especially considering that, I mean, I only mentioned a couple, but there's a litany of things. I can guarantee that both of you disagree with the APA and numerous other well-respected uh, psychological. I'm not, I'm not actually sure about that. In the case of uh, no. medical marijuana, CJ, I'm, I'm, I don't know much about it, um, but I'll admit that um, what the, the evidence I have seen in favor of it being used medically 
seems to not be the strongest in the world. It does seem that mm-hmm. it has some legitimate uses in terms of like stress relief, um, which I, I, I wouldn't think that most organizations would disagree with this. Um, but so does uh, so does alcohol. It's just alcohol damages your liver in a pretty massive way, whereas weed uh, weed doesn't have that same effect, right? So I don't. I, I we didn't prep for a, a conversation on weed, uh, but I, we could talk about that a little bit if you want. Well, and, and, and maybe I, send it, uh, like, I will pursue it just because I don't want to change the topic. But my only point in bringing do you, do you it want up me to answer that very quickly? Uh, I can answer it well, sure, like yeah, go two, ahead. two sentences, Definitely. which is which is just that. Um, yeah, I would like to see the literature. I could actually see because I uh, often see people over completely making wild claims about its efficacy. So if I read the literature, I might be convinced otherwise than because I'm not that well versed on the literature. And all all fair, all fair. I'll even, and like I said, I won't pursue it because I know it's not the topic of the debate, but the only point was just to say like, you know, like it's very common for us to come to different understandings than the experts. The experts themselves seem to change. I mean, there's been like six DSMs, each one with, very contradictory information compared to the other one. Sometimes that's because of evolution. Sometimes that's because of a devolution of some kind. Regardless, things change. People's opinions change. People's interpretation of the evidences change. Um, you know, and, and I don't think just because we have groups saying, well, hey, we affirm this, knowing that we live in a society that is getting more towards affirming this, mm-hmm. that doesn't that just doesn't seem to mean anything to me. Like it's it's the, the same, same thing as we that applies to the NHS. Jump right? into the QA. Hold on one sec. Just to, because I know everybody wants to still mm-hmm. add points, but I, we do, I, I want to jump into the Q and a just because we, we do have a number of questions to try to get through. And so we'll insert in the Q and a, I'll say in the Q and a folks, I do want to remind you, our guests are linked in the description. We highly encourage you. If you haven't already, what are you waiting for? That includes via the podcast. You can also find our guest links. If you're listening to the modern day debate podcast episode of this debate so what are you waiting for click on those links down below and this first question coming in from hair follicle says vadim and synth if face botox as well as brazilian butt lifts or breast augmentation were safe reversible and helps prevent suicides should we give them to children if they prevented suicide yeah but i don't think that's true gotcha and well vadim if you have a response we'll give you a chance um I think no, I, that's that's his his response is just fine with me. I don't think gotcha. I'd, I'd, I'd like to wait for a, a better question. This one from Patrick Smith says that famous picture of Nazis burning books was from the library of Magnus Magnus Hirschfeld, who experimented with children, hormones and sex changes. History repeats itself. F around and find out. Oh, yikes. I don't think the CJ or Rob uh, advocate in favor of what that guy was saying. Um, yeah, that's uh, a little out there. So um, I, I, I'm not next. 100% sure what the commenter is saying, to be honest. I'm, I, and perhaps that the I mean, Nazis they're, are they're, going to come they're, back they're, they're liking, the they're, they're, they're yeah. likening, uh, you know, puberty blockers to the experiments that Nazis performed, Mm-mm-mm. supposedly. Um, that's that's, no, no, no. that's what? Um, no, they 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 were saying the Nazis, um, the Nazis burned books of uh, of people who were trans. This is true, actually. Okay. A lot of Nazi book burnings were about trans science, ah, and we, we were set back a lot of years because of that. Okay. Um, yeah. But but this guy's been saying uh, history repeats itself. Fuck around and find out, uh, implying he um, um he believes the Nazis are going to come back and he advocates for it. This okay. one coming in from. Oh, well, okay, that's real rough. 
Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. P. Barnes says, question for Rob. If the wealth of studies and data was increased to a level you thought sufficient, would you support these treatments? And where would that level be? I think uh, first I'd just like to say, because I didn't get a chance to respond, U.S.-based Endocrine Society in 2018 concurred with the finding of weak evidence, stating the findings of benefits of hormone interventionals in terms of psychological functioning and overall quality of life comes from, quote, low quality evidence, which translates into low confidence of the balance of risk and benefits. So, yes, they admit that the evidence is low quality and they still have made that declaration, which goes along with what this question is asking. Yes, if the preponderance of evidence shows that a treatment is better for people and it helps them and that the benefits outweigh the cost and we have a significant amount of scientific evidence to suggest that, then I wouldn't be against these sort of things. We'd still have to be very judicious in how we apply treatments, but that's the case with any medical treatments. Uh, and I think that right now that uh, there's too flippant that we're giving these things. And as many people have said, including the people that's uh, one of the gentlemen who started the Dutch protocols, that we don't know why. Rob, can can we do this that, at, a, at like when we we have a chance to respond to you, right? Um, because yeah, you're Q and A. This is Q and A, like more right, right. I know you cited the Endocrine Society, and then I wasn't given the chance to respond. Then I responded. <laughs> now I'm answering the question. CJ got the uh, CJ got the closing statement, right? Cool, cool. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, I didn't interrupt <laughs> you all when questions were asked. You so if these weren't questions, you were answering. Uh, sure. And it goes right yeah. along because what happens is that we could see that there are people giving these prescriptions with very low quality evidence. We should seek high quality evidence before we give these sorts of treatments to children. Yeah, and so what I would Hold say on. is... Like, well, let's just let me just check. Okay. Technically, they said it's for Rob. So sorry to CJ to cut you off, but just because uh, we don't want to have too much. <laughs> is there... Let's see. This one, Duck Commander says, first question, did Rob really suggest that doctors are getting kids hooked on puberty blockers? I yes. mean, uh, yeah. I mean, again, if, if he's asserting that they are uh, selling them for profit and that's, and that's something that he's worried about, I think that's very much implied by that um, conspiratorial thinking. Um, it's not just for profit, but that's certain. Go for it. Okay, thanks. It's, it's not just for profit, but it's also sort of, uh, we see the politicization of science. Um, we can see it around COVID where all the scientists said it couldn't have came from a lab and then they admitted, oh yeah, it looks like it could have came from a lab, but we didn't want to help Trump. Uh, science isn't bereft of politics. So there's kind of the cultural environment going around, the politics going around, financial incentives and things like that. Yes, just like they got them hooked on ADD medication, just like they got people hooked on uh, all sorts of things. It's not just that they're greedy. They might think that it's also useful, but certainly the evidence seems to suggest that they're prescribing it far more now than they used to. And people are, once they get on it, they don't really get off that pipeline. And it's you would agree that it's completely understandable that there would be more people taking it by virtue of the fact that trans people are more accepted within society, that people have more access to information about it on the internet. I mean, that's that's pretty understandable, right? But the rates that they see it's increasing is even worrying the people that wrote the original papers on trans health, like the rate that it's occurring. And it, it could, would you also concede that if that I will concede that that could certainly have something to do with it. Will you concede that there is political momentum 
and there, there are parents encouraging children to be trans that otherwise no 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 I, I i do i think that that's a very like i mean that that kind of like veers into sort of like trans trender discussion mm-hmm. and i do not think like I, I don't think that a child can be like i i think that um sexuality or rather our our gender is such a like like if if, if my parents tried to force me to be another gender it wouldn't work. That's how fi- that, that's that, that's how fixed that is within our within our being. So I think that the whole idea of of uh, like brainwashing someone it, it's it's like trying to brainwash someone to be gay or not be gay. We know that those things don't work. I don't think that they work in terms of gender at all. And I think it's a very silly thing to suggest. Well, yeah, I know so we actually do have studies on. Out, um, go ahead. Like, it is interesting you 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 bring up the the gay thing because. Fun fact, um, it is actually well known that you totally can get people who seemingly had no homosexual proclivities whatsoever to start to become very interested in homosexual sex by virtue of exposure over long periods of time. So that, in fact, that's a big portion of, of how you have like gay for pay pornography. Yeah, but that's that's one they're consenting so there. And okay, all right, we can go on. I. I, I would actually just throw one thing in there. Um, so when it comes to conversion therapy, there is a huge uh, preponderance of evidence. It doesn't work if you want to schedule a debate on that sometime as well. I'm down for it. I don't think you advocate in favor of conversion therapy, though, so I don't want to push you for it um, there. But the APA, both of them, um, agrees that conversion therapy is not effective. Um, SOCE, uh, our analysis of the methodology of SOCE reveals substantial deficiencies due to these limitations, the recent empirical literature provides little basis for concluding whether SOC has any effect on sexual orientation. Um, so this is, I'm, I'm not sure that the the inverse of SOC would work. I, I, and and I just want to say, if you have that debate, you have to bring back Milo Yiannopoulos. <laughs> you could convince children. You could convince children. If uh, Why is there a propensity then for trans advocate parents to have trans children? Um, that, that's a, um, Wait, that's, there's uh, an that, obvious reason that, that, that's, that, that, that's an absolute misconception. Like there, there, there have been lots of people who have claimed that, like for instance, Avery Jackson, who was on the cover of uh, national geographic, many people said that about her. Blair White said that about her. But if you look into her, she actually didn't even know that is the mother didn't even know what transgenders, uh, or, you know, transness was, and she became a, uh, a, an activist after the fact, after her child, uh, she realized had uh, gender dysphoria. So I, I've never seen an example of, or, or yeah, I really haven't. It's that's, a, not, that, that's not true about Avery Jackson. No, I don't know about that specifically, but certainly okay. it's true that uh, and if the truth is that if you're saying that gender is so ingrained that parents can't convince their children otherwise, then we wouldn't have seen a mass increase in people that were trans because it wouldn't have mattered no, if parents no. said, we hate this, we hate this, we hate it. You're saying gender is so ingrained that, that you parents can't convince people. No, they're still trans, so even if they're not I'm, presenting, right? It's, 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 so we've, so we've, I've conceded uh, that, yes, as we've opened up okay. more societal acceptance for trans, clearly that could lead to more trans people, but you're unwilling well, to say the inverse. People, just, right. it's not you're more unwilling trans people, say, yeah, me, You're I, unwilling I, to say, you're yes, unwilling I'm, to admit the inverse parents could convince their children Yes, yes. I, as I said before, I think that that is a really, really ridiculous thing to assume that 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 people can be brainwashed into being a gender that they do not naturally feel like they are. That's how I feel about it. Uh, If Synth disagrees, he can voice. I don't. um, Otherwise, we can move on. 
we've got. Yeah, I, I don't one. disagree with Veeam at all there. Um, yeah, no, it's the, the, the issue, uh, Rob, with that claim is uh, when it comes to somebody presenting as trans, it's a lot different than actually being trans, right? You could be trans internally and still like suppress that, right? You can have gender identity disorder and still not present yourself as uh, the gender you identify as. Uh, they call it like a uh, boy moding. This one so. comes in from Sunflower, says Vadim, have you ever seen Space Jam? I have seen Space Jam and I do believe I can fly. They said the magic water bottle only works when it's presented as a magical elixir. Mm, yes. Well, it's know. been a while since I've seen Space Jam, so I don't know what the uh, reference it, uh, there is. I was hoping you guys would get it because I didn't either. <laughs> this yeah. Duck. Duck. Well, Duck I guess I just want to briefly inform everybody that Michael Jackson, uh, Michael Jordan, excuse me, is better than LeBron James, and I will fight anybody on that. This one coming in from Not a Chump says, if a 12-year-old had body integrity dysphoria and felt they were born with a hand that didn't belong to them, should they have the option to remove it? Nope. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, gonna, if it's it an imaginary hand... Better. If it's an imaginary hand, then I'm not that opposed to uh, getting rid of it. So, <laughs> uh, next. Gotcha. Uh, I think they mean they, like, have a hand just like you or I, but they mm. have this, uh, I've never heard of body integrity dysphoria, but they're saying that the person apparently has a belief of, like, this isn't the hand I'm supposed to have. It's like someone... I mean, show me some sort of, uh, like, you know, studies that that uh, say that that is a real uh, thing. Like, like we're, we're not talking about age. You know what? He's uh, This person is basically making a, an elaborate attack helicopter joke here. It's not really to... It's, it's a troll, so let's move on. There yeah, so with body body dysphoria, body, and that it's nice yeah, but this person said body dysphoria, didn't they? Okay, which is right, just yeah. not real. Those are very different things. Sure, there. For example, there have been stories where people, for example, have said that they felt that they wanted to be blind in one eye, or that um, all mm -hmm. sorts of things that people have done. They thought that they had an extra limb. That that's true. It's very rare, but it's true. Those people have existed. But it's good to get the concession that you think that there needs to be a significant body of scientific evidence before we allow people to have these sorts of alterations to their body. Removing a hand is not the same as puberty blockers. It's both it's both interactions that affect the natural it, it, force. It's, it, it's, it's good to know. Sure, it's different. It, but I, I'm to tell you, we would have laughed just like we would have laughed. 20 years from now, we might be having you on this panel saying, of course, they should be allowed to chop off the hand. The APA nope. says it's okay. Uh, just like it's 20 just years ago. People, right. Like, so the idea, I, I love when people want to sound reasonable. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter if the evidence is there or not. Uh, it doesn't matter if places like the NHS say that this is something that we don't have scientific evidence to recommend. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just different. It's okay this time. And it's different in other situations. The truth is that at least this gets you to it's a good question. Very different. It's a, it's it gets right? you to admit Come that on. you need it gets you to admit that you need scientific justification and evidence and studies before you justify alterations yeah. to the body, especially for children. And the fact that you yeah. don't think that those exist is just beyond me, especially since synth has contrary to what you said, he has provided some. Anyway, <laughs> uh, next one, question. This one coming in from do appreciate your question. Got that one. So we'll get into the standard questions. Forward Tribe says, my son, let's see, has kind dysphoria. I think this is something that actually does fit Vadim's uh, point earlier about it being like an attack helicopter type of thing. Uh, Toto Kaka says, different question. 
for all, and we'll end with this question, says, is trans physiological or psychological in their nature? Or in your guys' opinion, sorry. Um, I would, I mean, now granted, I'm not, you know, some expert or anything like that. So I don't want to pretend that I am. But uh, personally, in fact, when I, you know, I wanted to get to some more philosophically inclined stuff that I never did get to. But I, I do think that it is a psychological thing. Um, I think that it is, uh, I don't know what exactly it is, because like I said, I'm not an expert, but I think it is a sign of some very serious uh, psychological trauma. Um, and that's, that's obviously my own opinion, but I would, I would sure give it like, based on data, right? You have any sources that say it's based on trauma? Uh, well, I do certainly have a lot of things that uh, indicate that um, people who are put in situations, for example, like uh, you really not just trans in general, but LGBT in general, uh, there does tend to be uh, links with childhood abuse with links uh, with so obviously, the answer to my question is just no. No, I was just saying that there is links to like people who have okay. these different things. They well, do well, certainly does, have. Um, does Rob want to uh, answer the question? Because I want to crack at answering this as well. Sure. If you want me to answer first, that's fine. Go for it. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the answer is. I think that it'll be psychological, that it's more of a mental disorder or illness. Uh, but it could theoretically be a physical illness. Um, this would be how you would determine. If we could do scans of the brain and determine that it is actually accurate, that we're able to show this is a male brain, this is a female brain, and it doesn't match up with the biological reality, then that would be a physiological illness. If we can't do that, then it's probably a mental illness. The problem that people have is because there are a lot of people that claim to that have symptoms of gender dysphoria or that maybe claim to be gender dysphoric, that even if we could do a brain scan, what do we do to those then that don't show up as trans on the brain scan? Do we say they're grifting? They're not really trans? Because no, gender dysphoria and being trans are the same thing. No, I understand. It kind of is, though, uh, because the definition is gender dysphoria is the mental illness that comes with the anxiety or the the word they use, I believe, is the, uh, the there's some word they use like disaffectedness or, uh, you know, stress that comes with it. How do you know that you're trans if you don't have any uncomfort? OK, well, can we leave that as a rhetorical Your question so I can so I, I can answer because I feel like I feel like James wants to wrap this up. Am, am I wrong? Sure. Shortly. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, I, uh, from the, my limited knowledge, I would say that um, I, I, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, we do have some studies and, uh, you know, they, they have shown that in some cases that, that uh, you know, either trans males or trans females have brains that correspond, that, that are different than their birth sex that are more akin to the gender, the gender that they, uh, you know, prefer. So the, th the whole thing with that is, is that like sometimes our psychology or what's going on in our brain, it can become a physiological thing. Um, so I don't know if, if uh, I mean, I, I would think that they um, have the capability of uh, that they're, they're at least being born with their brains like that, or those brains um, changing very quickly because we do have cases of very young children who have severe dysphoria. So yeah, I mean, I guess my my answer to the question is is that I think it's a little bit of both. And um, uh, you know, it, it's it's definitely an interesting question. I think that as the years progress, we'll have a better way to answer that. Yeah, so actually we have a, a study by Nguyen, I'm mispronouncing the same horribly, 
Nguyen probably. Um, Nguyen, yep, that's it. Yeah, from 2018 um, that does show a, uh, a neurological basis for uh, what, what seems to be gender dysphoria, even before hormone treatment. You can see that there is a there, there are aspects of the brain that look more like the identified sex than natal sex. Um, this is not all of, all of them. Obviously, there are things like the, uh, I believe the sexually uh, sexual dimorphic lobe, I think it's called, um, has a, um, a tendency to look more like your uh, natal sex than your identified sex, regardless. Um, so there, can I there ask are you ways a question on that because I'm really interested. Uh, just how, to, we could do it oh. after the debate. That's fine. Absolutely, yeah. This may be an opportunity. I have to tell you, folks, if you want to hear more, if you want to hear Rob's question, if you want to hear the answers from Synth and Vadim, and if you want to hear more from CJ as well as on these issues, click on their links in the description. We really appreciate our guests, folks. And so, hey, if you're like, oh, who's this? Like, those are interesting arguments. Well, you can click on their links down below, and that includes if you're listening via the podcast. So I want to say thank you very much, Synth. Vadim, Rob, and CJ, it has been a true pleasure to host you guys tonight. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. I will be 100%. I will be right back in just a moment, folks, with a post-credit scene letting you know about upcoming debates. But as mentioned, we do appreciate our guests. And so you can find their links below. I'll be back in just a moment. Hang tight. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.